Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. How about that national championship soccer game, Eric. Look, man. Look. You and I both just watched it. We decided to not record our intro until after the soccer game because we thought we would be celebrating a national championship for Indiana, number nine. We jinxed it. Look, man, I love Indiana. I love Indiana. I support every one of our sports, and I want them all to win the national championship. That was boring i mean it just was let's not kid ourselves i know i don't appreciate soccer i don't i don't know the rules but i do know this if you're just gonna park the bus for 90 minutes <laughs> in possession then this is what's gonna happen we did facetime for quite a bit of that match on the pitch uh with steve dodato one of our beloved goons cliff and Lindsay stopped by for a moment but it was steve educating us on some of the finer points of the beautiful game um but you know there whatever is beautiful about the game and i've seen plenty of soccer or football games that i have gotten into over the years but that one was you know and like we talked about it so much possession belonged to Marshall. They were over by our goal the whole time. So it was mostly just kind of unnerving and waiting for it to happen rather than that many moments of, whoa! We uh, had zero shots on goal. Zero. When? We had zero. No, we had like two. I don't know. Look, I don't know how they qualify. They don't. You we have to have actually get the, you have to have it stopped by the goalie Oh, or okay. score for wow. a shot on goal. If it yeah. goes wide of the goal, that's not a shot on goal because it wasn't a shot on goal. We blew two golden opportunities, and and that was about all of the opportunities we had. So, yeah, but like I said, I blame myself. Uh, when Ward watches uh, IU, especially an IU team that's on a hot streak, and I show up late to the party, 
bad things happen. So my yeah, apologies, Hoosier Nation. I'm the cooler. I am. The cooler. I will say this about the game. I love that Tom Allen and Mike Woodson were there. I yeah. love that. That's Scott. an LEO. That's, that's what Indiana athletics are about. Like we're all together. Like that Woody was taking pictures with students and fans there. So was Tom Allen. In my head, I was like, I never could even imagine Archie in that scenario. Like no. I couldn't even picture it. No. And it just made me really happy and proud uh, of our school and our athletic programs and where we are right now. Because And, and Scott Dolson, Scott Dolson got some FaceTime on national TV. Handsome athletic director he is. Yes. Um, so congrats on the season. It's an accomplishment to make another college cup and to make it to the championship game. But that sucked. That, was that really sucked to watch. Yeah, yeah. That was I brutal. Thought, I was hoping for a totally different mood during this intro. But look, we won't we won't keep harping on on that sadness because there's there's a lot of exciting stuff continuing to happen with our football and our basketball program. Let's focus on basketball first. Sure. It's just earlier today, which would be yesterday, another commitment announcement. From South Florida, the transfer who had committed to Virginia Tech. He's from Atlanta, GA to begin with. Seven foot tall, 250 pound Michael Durr takes the 13th available scholarship, apparently and finally seemingly fills out the roster. It seems like who we have now will be who we roll with when time comes to start the basketball season. And it was pretty clear the basketball staff led by Woody wanted some front court depth and felt like they wanted somebody to come in to bang in the big 10 to spell trace, to spell race, uh, you know, and, and to have a guy down there who can block shots and take some of the pressure off the interior from trace. So they got their guy. That was a pretty quick recruitment. I'm telling you, Coach Woody better not get used to these quick recruitments. Or maybe he can. Maybe, maybe that's we, all it'll be. Maybe we should all get used to really quick recruitments. And I, you just say seven foot tall, 250 pounds. And I try to imagine that person walking by me and, and, and realizing that's like my seven-year-old son next to me as I am next to that man. And whatever style we want to play no matter how badly we want to get into the 21st century uh with the game of college basketball you still got those genetic freaks up in purdue showing up at seven eight seven nine every year from some scandinavian country that you you, you do have to have an answer for so look i love I love me some Joey Bronk and I'm sorry to see him go, but when you have a dude who's even bigger and I'm going to guess a little more fleet of foot because most people are that again, it's just all anything we've lost, we've gotten as good or better back in. And in, in most cases better, you know, I definitely think Xavier Johnson is an upgrade over Al Durham. Yes, correct. Um, <laughs> you don't even need to debate it. Um, I think also on the Joey Brunk thing, because I know some people are saying, well, why, why didn't we just keep Joey? I think there was very real concern from the staff about Joey's back. And yeah. I think they were like, we just don't know. Like, will he be able to play again? And if we take a chance on it and it doesn't pan out and backs are tricky and back surgeries are delicate and a tricky thing. Coach Woodson knows a thing or two about back surgeries. Yeah, sorry, Cheney just, I thought, like, vomited behind me, but he didn't. 
he just watched the soccer game? Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong, buddy? Yeah, he's coughing up something. I don't know what he got hold of. But I'm excited about Michael Dirt. Look, I'm excited because he wants to be at Indiana. He decided I want to be at Indiana. All the things that he said in the Rabbi article are awesome about being part of something special, about knowing who the blue bloods of college basketball were before he ever committed to play basketball, even at South Florida. He's got two years of eligibility left. I think he probably only wants to use one and then start playing professionally. But we got 13 guys to roll out there next year. I don't know where they're going to find the minutes. I mean, honestly, who do you look at, Ward, on that 1-13 to and think they're not going to play? Um, well, based on prior performances, Rob Finnessy. Yeah, but you know but, that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, it, you know, I, I know Coach Dane Fife has a lot invested in Rob. We know what he can do defensively, and I hope to see him unlocked. But to your point, I mean – you got to look at at Trey and Anthony, who, if they were having trouble seeing minutes this last year, yes, let's hope they have a Armand Franklin type leap to their their sophomore year. But when you just talk about um, where those men, I mean, I don't think Durr or Logan Duncan are going to play that much because right. I think that's going to be very much matchup based, foul trouble based. Whereas you you kind of see where race it just can have more purposes on the court rather than just being a banger down low to get boards and protect the rim. Um, but no, I, and, and I think that's why you, you got to figure, well, there'll be more turnover at the end of next season too, because it's going to play itself out between what Woodson sees, what he wants to do with what he has three or four guys are going to be like, Oh, okay. I'm the odd man out here. And whether, you know, if they're not graduating, they'll still probably look for a way out, but it's such a great problem to have to have so much depth that you, you know, there are three or four guys that certainly could be seeing the court in the big 10, but they're just being beat out by the guys on their own team. That's that means you have a really good program. It's true. Uh, before we get to football, because that will dovetail nicely into our conversation today. Yes, it will. Two weeks from today, whew, trustee campaign switches into get out the vote mode. That's mere, what happens. A mere fortnight and all this nonsense becomes something that actually has to become a reality. Yes, the first votes will be cast on midnight at midnight of June 1st, I sent out the first, this is the best. I sent out the first campaign email today to everybody who has signed up. Guess who <laughs> didn't get that email? Ward, because he never <laughs> signed up to receive the emails. And this is why you had already asked a, a much smaller group of people to give all their personal information to you to merely get you on the ballot. And myself and I think three out of four goons all sort of equated giving you our email and personal information once into thinking, of course, we are on your email list. But apparently we had to go to the website and do it again. Yes, you <laughs> did have to do that. So an email went out. There's a tool, a link. I'll probably put it on Twitter too, where if you are an alum, alumnus of Indiana, you can click on the link to make sure that you're eligible, that they have all your information correct at the IU office of uh, the registrar, I guess. 
I don't know what is going on behind me, but Dog Cheney is on one. I don't know what he's doing back there. But I think he's hopped up on goofballs. I don't know what the hell's happening. It's it's not reading on your microphone. Okay, so well, that's good. I'll ignore it's, it. It's then. not like your pool skimmer where it sounds like a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so listen, 14 days from now, campaign full steam ahead. And the other piece of exciting news, we might have secured something that will be very visible and large in Bloomington, Indiana, starting the week of May 31st. It, it's a billboard. It's a billboard. I'm just <laughs> going to say it. We got a billboard. There's going to be a billboard with my stupid face on it. And vote for Eric for trustee. It's going to be right by the McDonald's on 4546 as you're headed out of town. It's the only one that I could get. Uh, it's, it's, so it's on the north side of the street as you are heading westbound on 4546, heading out of town. If you, like myself, if you've ever wanted to deface Eric's face <laughs> in a very public setting on a very large scale, this will be your chance. What do you have for a month? Yeah, the we got it for like the full month. While, while voting is live, we will be, we will be present on, in Bloomington streets. Like, what's the square footage of, like, both of your beards? Because it's two two pictures of your face. Yeah. It's like you got to be looking at 30, 40 square feet of board, uh, of, of beard up on that board by itself. I don't know. I can't, I got to look at the dimensions. I think it's a little less than that. But what I want to know is they print it on vinyl and then they uh -huh. put it up. What happens to it after? Sh the ship it to Valley Village. <laughs> Put it on the front of my house? Yeah, maybe the side. You don't want to be obnoxious about it. <laughs> oh, man. All right, look. It's going up. The trustee campaign, 14 days from now. We've got some really great endorsement videos. I mean, the best of the best, your favorites, have kind of endorsed me over the last many months for Board of Trustees. And we're going to roll out those kind of endorsements uh, starting, I think, probably the first one. What do you think? May 31st, roll the first one out? Here's what I say. Do not roll one out until people, after watching it, can immediately vote for you. Okay. Don't don't, don't be like, oh, I have to do that tomorrow. Never going to happen. All right. We'll wait till June 1st to roll them out. So that's very exciting. I'm not going to bore people with another rant. We'll save that for one week out and then while we're uh, up and running while voting is happening. But right here, I'm just gonna drop in just like a part of the campaign song right now. We got to vote for Eric, man for you and me. We all trust in Eric, future trustee. Please tell one friend this week, just one friend this week who's an alum. It'll make a big difference. Go to epfortrustee.com, epfortrustee.com. Submit your email so we can get you on the email list, I'm not bombarding you with emails. We're going to be very judicious about it. But uh, hey, guys, it's time. It's time for a change. Yes, we can. Make Indiana great again. I'm just throwing them all out. You balanced it out. Yeah. Walk away before you get yourself in trouble. <laughs> Look, one thing we both said that we really liked about watching the soccer game tonight was down at the ticker below there were updates about how a player from auburn and a player from usc were now going to be playing for tom allen's indiana university hoosier football team it's 
it is a brand new day. Like we 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 knew it was coming. We we saw the results on the field, the way the team played at two January bowls in a row. But immediately, because we're greedy, we start asking like, okay, when do we really start the, to see this make a difference in recruiting? Well, it's it's now ongoing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We talked about it a lot. When are we going to see the fruits of the labor? And we're seeing it in the transfer portal. We're seeing it in the commitments. And I mean, just to put in context. What has happened over the last, what has it been, about four weeks now? Indiana has received commitments from people, whether they be prospects that have never played college ball or transfers, that are the four highest ranking recruits, if you go back to when the transfers were recruits, the four highest recruits ever in the history of the scout, you know, 247 scouting era ever. The four highest in four weeks. And we are in on some guys. If you read Matt Weaver's Inside the Locker Room, who's coming to visit in June alone? We are talking some heavy, heavy names. You're seeing on Twitter, if you go to Twitter and you just follow IU football, you see so many guys listing us in their top five, their top eight. They're top 12. And I, I, look, my dad and I used to talk about this and we would like have fun with it. Indiana used to get a commitment. It'd be like, Indiana gets, you know, Joe Blow from, uh, you know, Weehawken. And we beat out Western Kentucky and Ball State and Gonzaga, who doesn't even have a football team. And, <laughs> and the Powder Puff team from Jacksonville, Florida. And now... You look at the list of offers that guys have that are committing to Indiana or deciding to transfer to Indiana. It is, I mean, it is the top guys. It's Florida's, it's Florida State's, it's Alabama sometimes, it's Auburn, it's USC, it's Michigan, it's Ohio State. It's like we are playing in a league that we have never played in from a, from a talent standpoint. And it is exciting as hell. Yeah. Yeah, and and just knowing, well, again, the the guest who's showing up today, and and obviously we we get into it there, but that we can't get into it there, where it's no surprise where these incredibly high ranking, the highest ranking recruits we've had come to town are following this man to town, but the reason he's coming to town isn't just because. He's a Hoosier through and through, but it's because he knows what Tom Allen's got going on. Again, this man is incredible as he clearly is, and you'll all find out if you don't know already from this conversation, is that he, he like, say, Dane or Yasir or Kenya now, can turn to these guys. In some cases, he has a very close relationship with and other guys where it's less familial, but from, say, USC and be like, hey, I'm here now because of this guy. So between me and this guy, you should be here too, even though you could play for virtually anybody in the country. And in the same way, you know, picking up a coach from the SEC, picking up a coach from the NFL to come be in Bloomington. It's like this whole thing is a rocket ship. And I just can't wait to see those results because we were already taking the second third best team in the country on the road down to a one score game and and this season 
on the field, we are going to have significantly more talent than any football team we've watched in Bloomington. It's so true. And look, you think about recruits. What do they want? They want national exposure. Well, we've got that with the Big Ten Network, and now we're playing in marquee games. So we're going to get ESPN time slots, you know, national network broadcast television. We did at the end of last year. We had prime time, or not prime time, but nationally televised ABC games. So you've got that. You want to develop so that you can go to the NFL, right? Well, Tom Allen's delivering players to the NFL. The guy that we have on today was in the NFL and yeah. coached players in the NFL and has delivered players to the NFL when he was a college coach before his NFL stint. Uh, and you want to be able to win, right? You want to go somewhere where you can win. The expectation now at Indiana is you're going to win. Mm -hmm. It's not we're coming to Indiana to change things. Right. We're coming to Indiana to win. Yeah. They come in and they think, I mean, you heard what this guy said, um, Carr from USC. I'm coming to Indiana to help lead them to a Big Ten championship. What? You would never <laughs> hear anybody say that before. No. Like, honestly, that was not something that was said if somebody came to Indiana. Like a dream that Hepner would put out there when he was here. But you wouldn't hear players really talking about that because they know they'd be laughed at for it. But it's the expectation now. Tom Allen has believed it since he got there. He has brought people in and convinced them. Well, it's one of, you don't have to convince them. You either believe it or you're not there, right? right? They bought in, but there is an expectation that we're not here for participation trophies. We're not here to just make a bowl game. Our first order of business is to win the Big Ten Championship. That's our goal. Now, if that doesn't happen, we're going to win as many games as we can and get the best bowl that we can. But the goal is to win the Big Ten Championship. And that, is just baffling. I mean, I, I can't get over it. I cannot we're, get over it. Because we're, we're, we're very few years removed from, I hope we have enough Ball State games to get to like four or five wins and then eke out one or two Big Ten games to eke into a bottom tier bowl game. Like that has just been the mentality for since we were prepubescent Bill Mallory fans. And and now it, we're living in a whole different universe. And then across the parking lot after a brutal four years, just to have the expectations we now have to just be talking about our roster 10 minutes ago uh, for our basketball team that we're equally enthused about that it's we really entered a bizarro world with with football it took a couple of seasons to shake off decades of mediocrity at best and then with basketball it like it took a couple of months to shake off four plus miserable years to like nobody expected to be in this good a mood all summer. No, it's been the ride that Tom Allen started. Obviously Woody came in late. Terry Morin was a huge part of that ride to the elite eight for Indiana women's basketball. The first time ever for that. And then the announcements that happened just like one after another with the announcements of staff for Indiana football, the announcements of return players for Indiana women's basketball, Coach Woody coming in, the returnees for Indiana basketball, then the recruits. And it's just been a tidal wave across many sports and, and IU men's soccer making a college cup and, and 
you know, coming a goal away from winning the national championship. It has been a tidal wave of good news. Yeah. That truthfully, I just don't know how to deal with. I mean, I, I'm just losing my mind about it on a daily basis. Chain smoking cigars. Like, I think there's a tobacco shortage and <laughs> I'm the reason for it. You know, it, it crossed my mind three or four days ago, probably watching one of your Twitter videos. What would happen to the cigar industry if you quit? It would be a rough time for them. No, that there would be a difference in the market. <laughs> that, you know, they they would have to all gather in board meetings and figure out what they're going to do. Yeah, there'd be some layoffs, you know, there'd be some layoffs, <laughs> there'd be some tightening of the belt, you know, but look, that's what happens when there's seismic changes in an industry. Look, I, I just, the, the good news is, is just, it continues to roll. I do think now the fun is coming for basketball in that the 2022 recruiting class is now now what's really interesting about it is i don't think there's any scholarships on paper right now available sure but so, trace will in all likelihood be gone i don't trace, i don't know if woody could convince him a second time around right to, trace to and race might be gone and rob finnessy is actually a senior so does he want to stick around and you know you know i think parker stewart will stick around but michael durr does he want to stick around after you know, you just don't know how many of these guys are going to stick around after, after giving it a year. But what will be interesting is, are guys ready to commit after June visits and an AAU cycle? And then what do we do? Do we oversign? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing. Or, you know, does it prevent somebody from committing to you because they don't, they're not sure that you'll have a, a, a spot for them? I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see it happen. I would think, and that's where Woody's really going to have to lean on Thad, on Dane, on Kenya, of like, hey, you guys have been around programs before, and it's extreme now with the extra year of eligibility because of COVID and transfer for portal being, you know, loosened up with people being able to come right in and play. Where where do you set that over under at? Is like yes, we can confidently, you know, we've got CJ coming in. You know, how many more slots? Because to me, again, I figure there's at least a couple of guys at the end of the bench who thought they were going to get more that you could count on leaving because it'll be so easy for them to go somewhere else and get more minutes in a more conducive environment. But they're they're going to have to do do the math and then to use your your fancy word judicious about like okay we've offered all these guys but here are the couple like we feel a hundred percent confident we're gonna have two available so let's make sure like our seventh guy in our priority of of people we've offered isn't too eager and jumps ahead of the one or two guys we really want and it starts getting tight because you know, the idea of creening coming back into vogue may be a ugly necessity of, of being a great program. It seems like we do have the priority recruits with Jalen Washington in state, which seems to be priority one. And then I think you can look at Justin, Jimmy Chitwood, Taylor, and Kyle Filipowski as right there underneath like one a, and then um, who's the fourth that we were thinking about. There's, well, that, there's that Trimble kid from Wisconsin, which seems like more of a long shot, truthfully. But, oh, um, uh, Jalen Hood-Shafino. Jalen oh. Hood-Shafino is a big-time guard that they're going hard after. 
yeah, when Rabbi dropped that article on him, I was like, ooh, so this is getting juicy. Yeah, so I think those are the four <clears throat> that they're going hardest for. But it'll just be interesting to see, you know, this is the fun time of the year. How many coaches are we going to bring to whose games? Are we going to roll four deep for any games? Are we going to go all in, as they say, for one of these kids in June? And you know, Rabbi will be creeping at all these AAU tournaments. <laughs> just, just eating a giant giant like probably baconator from you know wendy's and a 82 ounce big gulp like that'll be rabbi's move that's 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 recruiting coverage fuel that man is out there in the world on the road pounding the pavement from coast to coast this summer to get us the skinny on what these guys are thinking what their families are thinking what the coaches are thinking and because there is nothing else to pay attention to, it, it's amplified all that much more because we're greedy, right? And it's gone so well so far, none of us are going to sit back and be like, look, we're playing with house money now. You know, who cares if anything else happens this summer? We're sitting pretty compared to where we thought we'd be. We're like, no, we want more. We want more. We want Jalen and and Kyle and, and Jimmy Chitwood battling it out for our very few roster spots on our now elite team. Yeah, and look, there does feel like there's some buzz about the program right now. Keep that going. You, yes. Like, we haven't lost a game yet. You said that the other day on Reasonable <laughs> Rabbi. We haven't lost a game. Mike Woodson's undefeated. Well, use it. Like, everything is is sandwiches and cupcakes right now. So just freaking use it. I was going to say vagina and cupcakes, but... I didn't, but now I did say it. So <laughs> you, you did. So the child that's in the backseat listening to the podcast, incidentally, is going to have to have a conversation. Yeah, about um, why and, I would use that and cupcakes together. <laughs> um, but and, the point is, there is there is some buzz. There is some momentum. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. I do want to bring up one more thing. Me too. Okay, I'll, you go first. I'll go first because it's actually quite serious. Um, but very important. And um, our our good buddy, Michael Lewis, he put this out on to Twitter. Um, and if you can, you can go, I'll just kind of basically read his tweet about it because I think it sums it up very well. Um, but he's talking about Andy Murphy, who is his former roommate for four years at IU. He was a four-year IU basketball manager. He is a husband, father of two, and uh, by all reports, an amazing human being. And he is in a real battle now with ALS, which we all have learned over the last few years is absolutely brutal. And um, you can go to, I think it's just going to be easiest. We'll tweet it out. We already Michael's did. You, we did okay. Um, good. I, I should have known you had. Um, so us, Michael, go there, click on the link, help however you can, share that tweet, put it on your Facebook, anywhere else. You know, other Hoosiers reside and might see it, or just people uh, who want to help people who really, really need it. Um, and to just remember how lucky you are if you're not going through that. Yeah, and you know what? I When I tweeted it out after I saw Michael tweet it, I said, look, Hoosiers help Hoosiers. That's what we do. <clears throat> and it it does make you take stock because this guy is our age, Ward, mm -hmm. <laughs> and what he's going exactly. through is, um, it's just unthinkable what he's going through. And for his family, his wife, and his kids, it, it, you know, it 
it seems trite to say life ain't fair, but it ain't. And what is fair is that you have people in your life, some that you've met and some that you've never met, but you share a bond with because we're all Hoosiers. <clears throat> and we can make life a little more fair by helping him out and helping his family out. They had a goal of $25,000 to raise, which to be honest with you, this is a family with two kids. It's like to raise $25,000 for what they're going through. It just seems like peanuts, truthfully. We're at, when I last checked, it's probably close to 25 now, but I tweeted out, I'm like, let's blow past this goal. I mean, let's yeah. double this goal. Yes. Let's blow right through it. Who cares if they reach the goal? Go way past it. Don't think you just shouldn't give because they've reached the goal. The, the goal should be higher. Our goal for them should be higher. So anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Hoosiers help Hoosiers. That's what our family should be about. I mean, in the future, Ward, if you're yeah. going to have one more thing and it's going to be the serious thing, just wait to the end. Oh, well, what am I supposed to do now? Well, I thought then you you could bring it up a little before. Oh, oh really? After that, you want me to go to, to the stupid thing I was going to say and sound like an idiot? Well, to be fair, I usually sound like an idiot. And if I can deflect that onto you a little bit right now, I think that's great. I think that's great. I couldn't have set it up any I'm better. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And look, there's a great viral clip of Casey Kasem from way back in the day doing dedications on the top 40. And he go he gets ballistic, right? He goes crazy because he's reading it. And he does this huge dedication to like, hey, this is a dedication to a four-year-old boy who didn't make it to birthday number five. And from him, you know, from all of us to him, blah, blah, blah. And now wake, wake me up before you go, go from what? <laughs> and then, and then they have him, they have the audio of him and he's just losing his mind. He's like these damn dedications right into a frivolous bullshit song. It's ponderous, man. Effing ponderous. And he's just going off. It's so funny. You got to Google it. So I will simply say, I am not going to segue from what you just did and what we just talked about to my frivolous stuff. I will just segue into, we do have a life affirming story to, to tell you. Many of you might already know this story, but many of you don't. And the guest that we have today is going to tell you a story that as an IU football fan, you are going to be ready to, just like you were with Tom Allen, run through a wall with this guy. You are going to be so stoked about him and his family in Bloomington. But his personal journey, totally not related to football, although kind of related to football, mm -hmm. his personal story is one of hope and love and serendipity and fate. I don't know, destiny. It is just one of the most remarkable human interest stories I have ever heard of. And I'm so happy that we got to hear him tell it in his words. And the reason that people at home are gonna be able to hear it is because we are, and this show are powered by
Thank you, Steve Morgan. He popped on to our uh, our Twitter Spaces oh. event. And speaking of, yeah, we're gonna try something today. Oh, that's right. We probably should mention we're gonna do it this time. After we want you all to listen to this podcast, but at eight p.m. Eastern time tonight, eight p.m. Eastern time, seven seven p.m. Central time. 4 p.m. What? Oh. <laughs> 5 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Mountain time. Look, if you're Central or Mountain, figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. We are going to go live on Twitter Spaces, which is basically a live audio chat room where Ward and I will be the hosts. And anybody who wants to come on that follows us on Twitter, all you have to do is log on to Twitter. You'll see at the top of your screen that we are live. You just click on us and it'll put you into the room. We're going to basically do a post hysterics show. So we are going to talk about the podcast that we just did. But the reason we're doing it is because we want to talk to you guys about it. You guys are always so generous with your comments. And we love reading about what you took from each interview and the story that it made you think of. We want to give you a forum to share that with us and the Hoosier fan base at large, our family. So... Go to Twitter at 8 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Jump on and you'll be able to listen to us talk. You'll be able to ask questions. You'll be able to make comments. And we tried it the other day and it was awesome. It was really, really just a, a fun uh, experience that we're going to keep trying to do while we do podcasts. We missed the real-time interaction with our people all last year. It was not great. And as soon as the people started coming in, giving the comments, asking the questions, you know, talking about IU, I was like, ah, yes, real time, real interaction with other Hoosiers. Uh, because as, as great as the peak chat board is and, and Twitter, obviously, you're all over that, uh, there just ain't no replacing a real live conversation and it was so invigorating to remember that it's real human beings uh, on the other end of these podcasts. And then to bring it all together was really exciting. And uh, hopefully a lot of you will join us tonight at 8 p.m. Hoosier time, 5 p.m. Weird Coast time and um, whatever. Mountain time. What? Sure. No one ever says mountain time. I mean, it's mountains. There's not that many people living there. I don't know. I bet you we have some listeners in the mountains. I know there's some folks in Colorado. That's Ron probably Freed. Ron Freed. Exactly. Exactly. Mountain time. But Mountain Wyoming time. numbers are low in my Wyoming. We know I gotta that. I got to tell you, I've been watching that show Yellowstone. I'd love to move to Montana. I've, uh, I, my family has property there. Not family where like I get any of that property, but I've gotten to go out there and and brand cattle what oh yeah oh it's amazing you got you got you know want to brand them no you don't and i'll tell you why not only do you have to wrestle calves 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 you can tell how how much of a cowboy i am but this is actually like the ranch where my grandfather who was a cowboy who i was named after met my grandmother because it was her family's ranch and they would go out to visit but anyway, so they throw the city slicker me from the big town of 10,000 people and I have to wrestle these calves to the ground. And then the technique they show you is you pull on one of the back legs and then you put the one foot kind of in the, the, the chest stomach area and the other one has to cover their butthole. 
And the reason the one foot covers the butthole is because when they brand them, they shit uncontrollably in all directions. And yes, they set, like a, a cowboy boot does not perfectly cover up that hole. So it was a it was gross. I got kicked in the head repeatedly because I couldn't hold the cattle while they were being branded. But it's beautiful out there. It's God's country. It's gorgeous. I didn't think that's where this conversation was going to go. Me either. That's the beauty of this. It's the beauty and also the curse. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think most would agree it's a real curse. All the listeners. For us, sometimes it's fun. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, let's get to today's guest because it's one of our favorite that we've ever done. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have got a Hoosier who left for a while. He's a Hoosier again. Of course, he'll always be a Hoosier. He's bringing some other Hoosiers along with him. Anyway, Eric, I'm already I'm already getting into too many details. That's your job. Tell the folks who we're speaking with here today. Hailing from Youngstown, Ohio, <laughs> by way of Campbell Memorial High School. He oh. then attended Miami University, and let's be clear, not Miami of Ohio, right? Appreciate that. Yes. That's right. Miami University, where he was a three-time All-Mac selection at running back. He was the first Miami player to be named Mac Freshman of the Year and a finalist for the Doak Walker Award. He ended his career as the Mac and Miami record holder for career rushing yards. So that means he was the best running back in the history of a conference. That is insane. <laughs> He was the first Red Hawk to lead his team in rushing for four years, topping the 1,000 yard, yard mark on three occasions. He was an inductee into the Miami Athletics Hall of Fame in 2004. He then uh, continued his career in the professional ranks, both in the NFL and my favorite, the XFL, which I am very curious. I did find this in research if he had a nickname on his back. We got to find that out. No, he's shaking <laughs> his head. No nickname? No. No nickname. All right. Fair we, enough. We've got one for you later. All right. He began his college coaching career where in college, which led him for uh, six years at Indiana University. He mentored seven 1,000-yard running backs. Two of his backs earned All-American honors. Nine secured All-Conference recognition. All five of his featured rushers as a college running back coach made it to the NFL. At IU, he set 19 program rushing records. In 2014, BTN named him the running backs coach of the year. He set with the Hoosiers a single season rushing record with 3,163 rushing yards. He also then went to USC, powerhouse football program, where all they did in his, in his time at USC was win the Pac-12 championship and earn a Cotton Bowl berth. He then went to this little league called the NFL as a running backs coach where he locked onto this team called the Kansas city chiefs. He played in three AFC championships back to back to back. The only AFC team ever to host three in a row. He, his teams played in back to back super bowls. And of course he won a super bowl with the Kansas city chiefs. And then Bloomington came a calling. And when a position was available, he came home. He took the job as associate head coach and running backs coach. We are talking to, I mean, already a legend, basically. <laughs> and, and the legend we are going to watch grow and grow at Indiana University. Please welcome Dylan McCullough. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So 
that was a lot. I had to work on my lung capacity for that one. Uh, Deland, when you hear all of the accomplishments, uh, I mean, I got to think it's the Super Bowl, but I don't want to say for you. But what is what is the singular thing that you hear in that list that you are most proud of? Um, probably it was one that you said and one that, that you didn't say is as far as being you know, named the Big Ten running back coach of the year. So just getting that recognition from all your peers, you know, because at the end of the day, everything I did was for respect. And then in 2020, I, at the combine, I was named the NFL running back coach. You were, so, yes, I missed that so one. Just, you, know, you know, being recognized, you know, not only in your own building or in your own program, but being recognized around the league, you know, as one of the, the, the better coaches. Um, that's something, you know, at the end of the day, I've always played for and I've always coached for is, is for respect. Deland, you uh, obviously have an incredible life story that we're going to get into. But mm -hmm. for all the Hoosier listeners out there, uh, if they can't see you right now, if they're only listening to the podcast, you're rocking the nice IU swag. Uh, tell, us, <laughs> tell us what's going on with your life uh, day to day now back in Bloomington, being the IU running back coaching in. Well, I mean, you know, in addition to that, the associate head, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a lot of, you know, getting a fair amount of action, you know, from both fronts, you know, now with spring ball over, um, more of the associate head coaching duties coming into play with some of the behind the scenes things that will, will come out here shortly as some things that we pushing behind the scenes that are pretty exciting, um, you know, and just, you know, watching tape, putting together things as far as what we're looking for coming into um, into the summer as far as our player run practices and continuing to develop those guys, um, getting getting ready for camp. You know, we're going to head out here in June and make our way in different spots of the country to continue to identify great talent. You know, um, being a husband, being a father, man, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I got some some soldiers at home who who chomping at the bit to, to continue to soak up knowledge and do the right things and push those guys in the right will guide them and they'll make the decision as far as in the right direction um, to accomplish the things they want to accomplish. So pretty full plate, but man, I'm all about it. It's all good. Well, we got, we're going to get into the father stuff because there's some uh, IU ties there, but we'll get into that in a second. I am really curious about this. You left Indiana in 2016. You had one year of crossover with Tom Allen. So you mm -hmm. got to meet Tom, you leave Indiana, you go to USC, you go to Kansas city, you come back to Indiana and in those five years, let's call it, the world has totally changed with IU football. Now, mm -hmm. you, when you left Indiana, I mean, the success that you had from the running back side of things was insane. I mean, it was just, you were a top 10 program nationally. It was unbelievable success. But Indiana as a football program has not had national success, as you well know. You come back to a program who is like a national darling, but I am really curious about the culture change because Tom Allen, as we know, is all about culture. What have you felt as you have walked back into Indiana University in 2021? Well, I mean, there's definitely been, you know, a, a culture change. And I, I'll say this, you know, with all due respect, I mean, there was a, a, a level of foundation laid, you know, years ago, but I'm gonna tell you what, there's no denying. Um, the, the coach Allen took the bull by the horns, man. And he done rolled this thing up big time, you know? <laughs> um, and I sat back and watched, I'm telling you, it just, it's been exciting to watch. I've watched every, ever since I left Indiana, I continue to watch. I continue to watch. I remember when I was at USC, 
I'm watching Ohio State game. I'm still talking stuff about Indiana football. These guys are like, where you work, man? I mean, you're here, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, Indiana, those are my guys. But I'll just keep looking back. And then my three years with the Chiefs, always conversation about IU, you know, and, and what's going on there. Even climaxing when I um, – two times I had to go in and talk to Coach Reed about my decision to come to Indiana. He had just a big smile on his face, and, and it was almost like he knew Coach Allen. And I said, man, do you know him? He said, no, but I could see the energy he has. He said, man, I programmed it like it's headed in the right direction. So, I mean, people see it, you know, people see it. And so when I was able to get back on campus in this capacity, you could feel it. You know, I'm just walking around and just sitting in the room with, with the backs and sitting in the team room and being at the staff meetings. I mean, it, it had matured and elevated, you know, several levels as far as the culture is concerned and just, um, the impact that the coaches were making and obviously lived, you know, led by coach Allen. I mean, it's, I'm telling you, I'm excited to be here. It is, it is a little hard to comprehend that no matter what we were all seeing locally or nationally about the direction of the program, you are the running backs coach for the Kansas city chiefs. You, you're at the very pinnacle of the profession with as good a team as there's been in the last five years. What, what were you thinking? Well, I, I like, like, like we love IU, so we get that. But tell us why you decided this was the right move for you and your family at this point in your life. Well, well, I'm going to tell you, you know, going, I'm talking about way back in 2013, 2012, I had, in my mind, hatched a plan. We, we all got, you know, um, employment plans and what our career and, okay, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I remember sitting at, at um, the rec center over here and my, and my sons were playing basketball. And I remember I was on the phone with another guy who was an NFL running back coach. Now he was a, a high school, uh, a college coach at that time. And we were talking, I said, man, I said, if, if, if I had my, my way about it, I said, man, I go from IU to the NFL, you know, continue to build my, my, my resume and then come back to college. So it always had been about coming back to college. The NFL was something I thought that you can go and continue to raise your profile, learn, earn respect, and then come back to college is where I ultimately seen myself for what I wanted to do, which ultimately is be a head coach in college. You know, so um, going to, to the NFL, it never was a thought, well, I'm going to go here and be a running back coach for the next 15, 20 years. That, that never was a thought to me. Um, unbeknownst to me you know you go to the chiefs and we go and wow we've become you know not become but i guess ultimately we become this juggernaut and all these great things are happening and ironically i was talking to um, coach sheridan and coach Hurd this uh, this afternoon this morning about that and i said look as a position coach in the nfl to put a guy in the pro bowl my first year um the second year we go to the, to the super bowl win it you know, I still say my guy should have got the Super Bowl MVP. And then my third year, go to the Super Bowl again and put a, have a, a thousand yard back, you know, with over a thousand yards from scrimmage. It, I don't know, you know, man, you get greedy and say, well, I want to go to eight Super Bowls or I want to do this or do that. For me, I did everything that I kind of wanted to accomplish in the NFL as far as garnering respect and have and playing on the top level team and getting a Super Bowl ring, you know, so. There were options. I mean, every year there were there were other college programs that came calling for sure, you know, and um, 
it wasn't until the, the, the Indiana situation. And actually I called Tom and I remember telling my wife, I said, wow, you know, the, the, the position is open at Indiana. She said, well, you need to call, you know? So I know I said this coming out, you know, it was just something in my spirit that said, man, this is, this could be a great place for you, you know, to, to go back to, you got roots there geographically it fit just everything fit as far as what I was looking for um, in, in returning to college. So I'm, I'm excited about it. All right, real quick. Can I see your hands? I don't have a ring on. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Why don't you have the ring on? Hey, I, I, I swear, if I knew you guys was coming with this type of energy, I'd have it on right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, by the way, if it were me, that thing, you'd have to cut my hand off to get He'd that glue thing it to off. his forehead. I would. It would be right there. It, it, I'm telling you, it's a masterpiece. It, it is a masterpiece. All right, well, you got to do us a favor. You got to, when we're done with this and you get home, you got to tweet us, uh, text me a picture of it. I, I will. All right, we got to see I, that. All right, one, one follow-up. My phone <laughs> one follow-up. Just the the idea of you knew you wanted to end up back in college rather than continue in the NFL why well because i mean i just you know my strengths although i operated at a high level interpersonally in the nfl my room the guys i mean i, I got still ongoing conversations with every guy coach in the nfl it was even heightened as far as just my impact as a man you know and definitely as a coach um i just felt like you know just seeing those guys develop having an opportunity to be with a guy for three to five years, you know, seeing them, you know, from a high school player become, you know, a more mature, a college level guy. And then if, you know, if they're lucky enough and the situation presents itself for them to go into the NFL, but we, we know that that's few and far in between. That's just, you know, just the statistics of the whole thing. But I really felt connected to just this, this level and, and this age of player. Thank you. So you come back to Indiana and, and I want to make this point again as associate head coach and clearly Tom Allen is a force of nature. So my first part of the question is, was he that when you had your one year alongside of him as both, you know, coaches at Indiana, but him not being the head coach, could you tell there was something different about this dude? <laughs> Let's start there. No doubt. You know, I mean, we've been, you know, we, we have our um, offense and defensive meetings as you know, as a unit, and we would pull that wall down in the team room, and you just hear him on the other side. <laughs> on the edge, like, man, what is this guy talking about? You know, because, you know, just his ability to connect with the guys and get them to buy in. And LEO was in his infant stages, at least at IU at that time. But you could see it in that defense and just the fact that he tur turned that defense around. I mean, I had to go against that defense for that whole season, you know, especially during the preseason and in the spring when you're going, you know, their def you know, the IU defense against the IU offense, and it caused some problems, you know. And then to see how things took off in the season with our defense, man, I mean, you couldn't have anything but respect for what Coach Allen was doing. And so you're back. How quickly after being back did he make you come up with your one word? Oh, I have I have my my one word, you know, you know, ready to roll, you know. So I mean, you know. I already knew kind of what was going on with that. I already had the one word book, you know, Yeah. you know, you know, coming out. So, I mean, it's, it, it was all good. What, what's the word? 
I'm gonna keep that to myself. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair we, enough. We we actually had coach coach us through our one words when we had him oh. on the show. I'll oh, tell you shoot. what. I'll tell you what Dylan's one word is. Ring. That's what <laughs> his one word is. See, I wish I, I y'all got me fired up. Now I'm about to pull that ring up. Yeah. <laughs> what a one of the the things described about you, uh, even as a a player, as a running back, was intensity. And I do wonder, is that something that you and Tom Allen really connect on? Because intensity may be the first word I think of when I think of Coach Allen. Is that is that something in your your personality too? Is that is that I guess is that what it takes to be this successful? Is just the constant intensity, working and grinding to get better. Yeah, it does, you know, and, and for me, mine's is more inward, you know, and it's more focused and, you know, like when I'm in the running back room, I'm more animated and fired up than you would ever see me on the field. You know, mm. when I'm on the field, it's like, okay, let these guys do their thing. Even when there's mistakes, I'm, I'm quick to, hey, guy come over to me. It's a calm conversation. I say, all right, we'll check it on tape. We, I coach it through and we move forward. And I think that's one of the things. As a matter of fact, I don't think I know it's one of the things that the guys on the NFL, especially, they really, really like just that level of respect, even in the, in the face of an error or in the face of the type of pressure that we had in that league. You know, so I told him, I said, it's, it's, this whole thing is stressful enough. I'm not going to add to it verbally by blowing you up and making you extra uncomfortable. But when we get in the room and it's just us, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do then verbally for sure. So um, I would definitely say, you know, we're def, you know, we have a lot of similarities as far as our intensity. Um, Coach Allen is outwardly intense, you know, man. I love it. I like it. I feed off of it. I'm like, man, I wish I could be like that sometimes, you know, but the intensity in the room, every back that I've had will say, man, McCullough being there going crazy, you know, just stories <laughs> and some of the things I'm saying, I'm, I'm real physical and moving around the room and, and just very demonstrative, but man, I, I wouldn't do it any different. I, I want to get to a personal thing, but I have to ask this. How good can we be next year? Everything is there, you know, and that's the thing when I had an opportunity to address the team, you know, and just see after seeing how these guys work and just what the, what the climate is up and the, the culture is at practice, man, I'm fired up. I'm telling you, we, we can be real good. You know, and, and of course, guys ask me about, hey, what do you see from the NFL perspective and different things like that? And I'll tell them, you know, just, you know, attention to detail and different things like that. But just all and we have that. I mean, I'm definitely not saying we don't have that, you know, but the eye that I have as I look at it is it gives you the coaches who were here more validation when I come in and say this is what it is from the top operating team in the NFL that that put a spark in to what we were doing for sure. I love that. So you mentioned that you came back to Bloomington. You have roots here. Some of those roots include your family. I understand you have some sons who play football and a little one who probably will play football too. But you have three sons who play football. Let's start. Is that correct? You have sons who play football? Yeah, they play football. Oh, That's cool. A fact. All right, now... <laughs> Your oldest son, who uh, is Deland II, uh, yes. he has announced that he is transferring from your alma mater, Miami University, and he is coming to Bloomington, and that is official, and we can talk about him, correct? 
Yeah, what all indications that that is official. That is official. So how excited are you that you get to be a coach on the team that your son is playing on? Well, I mean, I, yeah, that's going to be fun, you know, for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, without it, there's going to be, you know, a sense of pride, you know. I mean, I've coached them. I've coached my sons before, you know. So um, how about this? You're talking about 11 years ago, I was his running back coach for the for Pop Warner team. So, oh, I, yeah, exactly. 11 years ago, that's what I was doing. I was the RB coach for the Reading Blue Devils. Wow. <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> well, how, how about that? But um, no, it's going it's gonna, to it's gonna be fun. And, um, you know, he, you know, like all my guys, you know, in their football career, they're going to their play is going to dictate what what they do in their, their overall success. I don't have anything to do with it as far as on the field is concerned. I'm laying down the foundation behind the scenes, but those guys, they, they know what it takes to be successful. And I'm expecting the same thing. Go ahead. Oh, Mark. Well, and uh, let's, we can kind of jump around here a little bit. Uh, we know there's a, um, another son who's, he's going to go to to college in 2022. I guess we'll figure out where that is. And talk I about think, it. When... I think I heard, I think I heard that he's going to Indiana. I oh, think yeah? I heard that. I don't know okay. if Deland has heard that, but and I don't think he can comment. He's smiling. Do us a I, favor. Wink once if you've heard that you have another son who might be the highest recruit in the history of Indiana University coming to Indiana. Wink once. Well, okay, there's a wink. I saw a wink. I saw a wink. Okay, okay, okay. Right. Um, <laughs> And then, and then there is yet another son uh, uh, who is going to be a senior in high school. Uh, heard he's really talented too. What's it going to be like to be able to go see your son play some high school football games across town? You can say that he can answer. Right, that. that's totally okay to talk about. Oh yeah, I'm be I'm I'm excited to watch you know my two high school guys you know Desan and Day um, do what they do. You know, I mean, they go, they work hard. These guys, you know, are accustomed to winning. Um, last couple of years, they've been in the state championship when they was when we were in um, in Kansas. So um, these guys, they go, they work to win. You know, and 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 go out there and do what it takes to help their team win. So um, I'm excited to see that. You know, and, and to bring that back to Bloomington, where these guys, I mean, when they left out, you know, they didn't look like they look now. I tell you that. <laughs> They don't look how they look, how they look now, for sure. So, um, just to get a chance to to come out, you know, for the hometown and represent, they fired up to do it. I actually heard Ward that yeah. that Day, who is in the class of 2022, who is the second highest ranked recruit in the history of Indiana University football. I actually heard because he said so that he's committed to come to Indiana University as well. Did you hear that, Ward? I did, and you and I can talk about that all day long. In fact, we have talked about that all day long. We have. But but with, with Coach here, and Coach, by the way, the nickname we've come up with you, if it's okay with you, is The Dad. The Dad. As The Dad, you can't comment on that. But for those only listening at home who can't see this, The Dad is smiling. The Dad is clearly very excited about the stuff we're talking about. Was, was all of this kind of something you guys hoped might happen or is this just really organically played out once you decided to come to Bloomington well I can say this that when the opportunity came up you know to go to to come 
back to Bloomington, there was no master plan where we were in the background, like, hey, we're going to move some chess pieces. Uh, we're just, as a family, we're fired up to come back to Bloomington. And, you know, everything that happened once we got to Bloomington, shoot, we just, we just going with the flow. I like that. Well, we're, well, we're going with the flow too. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to go back to Dylan the second, because you are an intense guy. I get it that you don't show that outwardly on the field, but you do it behind closed doors. But you guys are on different sides of the ball. And you are not going to be Dylan's. Do you call do you call him Junior or anything, or do you just call him Dylan? I just call him D. Okay, D. D. So do you? I'm gonna call him D too for this for purposes <laughs> of this. If D does something on the field, and you don't like it, how are you gonna resist coaching him up as his dad and a coach? Well, yeah, it's gonna be hard to resist, but I'm I'm gonna let him do his thing. He he, he gonna have great coaches over there. They are gonna make sure he's right. All right. I, I bet that's it. a that's a drive home conversation too. <laughs> yeah. He he know that now. I mean, there's gonna be there's always those conversations. They they're never gonna get away from them. Tell now, us a little oh, I was just I wanted to know a little bit more about his game because I heard it, I believe self-described that he was a bit of a Swiss army knife. Could you tell us what we can expect to see in the IU backfield next year on the defensive side? Well, I mean, he is he's somebody who can play all those positions back there. So he could play safety. You know, either safety, he can play corner, he can play nickel. Um, the thing that I always told everybody during his recruiting process, and it bothered him a little bit, you know, but it never was a knock on him. I told him he's a developmental guy. You know, I said, look, you get a couple years into school, um, you're going to be something, I mean, you're going to be something that guys going to be really excited about. But you're going to have to go through those knocks of those first couple years of, getting used to college, putting on weight, different things like that. I mean, when he came in the, in the college, this guy was like 158 pounds, you know, he, you know, 160 pounds, you know, I mean, he over 190 now, you know, so um, that's the exciting part, you know, as everything kind of, you know, um, uh, unfolded that now he's physically and definitely mentally, but physically um, at a level that he can come in and compete wherever he was, wherever he was at, you know, um, going to school at that, at this point. So you and your lovely wife have three kids all around the same age. You're having them roughly at the same time, a few years apart. <laughs> and then you take a break. And then many years later, more than a decade later, comes number four. We won't get into the specifics about how that all happened. But your fourth son, is his name pronounced Deem? Diem. 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 So Diem is your fourth son. He is in what grade? Fourth or fifth grade? He's, he's four years old. He's four years old. <laughs> he is four years old. So I have one question about Diem. Has he committed to Indiana University yet? Uh, we got to get a formal offer to him at some point. <laughs> <laughs> What's the holdup? You've been there a few months now. Does he like football already? Oh, he likes football. Yeah. So he what is football. it, since you are the dad who went through it with three you know, kids that are between the ages of, you know, 17 and 20 or 15 and 20, somewhere there. And now you got a four-year-old. What's it like being the dad to a young child again? Man, I love it. Those, those, all those, I mean, I, the, the exciting part for me, there's a whole bunch of them, but that my older guys get to see how I was with them. Mm. You know, they get to see how I was with them. Like, wow, man, that yeah, I was like that with you guys too. You know, they it probably wouldn't comprehend it because they was just in the moment, but now they get to see it, you know, and 
we, you know, we see the videos of them when they were, were when they were DM's age, and they say, man, dad was all over us like that too, you know, in a good way. Those are my guys. You know, I go home and he want me to sit outside and watch him ride his bike. I sit there and watch him ride his bike as long as he wants to. I just go home and sit on the porch and just watch him. And whatever he want to do, that's what we do. Hey, dad, can we this? Can we? Yeah, let's do it. You know, so even though it's, it's been a big gap between me doing that type of thing, I'm all about doing it again because that's, those, those are my boys. Well, Dealand, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but could you pop out a few more? I mean, like, <laughs> it's helping us in Indiana. Don't stop. Don't stop. We'll do a reality show, whatever you want, but we just need a few more and you'll have a full team all playing at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sound I, great. That ain't happening. <laughs> is there, is, in terms of just even the hours you put into it, um, is it is it comparable at the NFL and at the college level? Because obviously you got recruiting and all this kind of stuff to do. I'm just wondering about the the work life balance going from the NFL now to Bloomington. Is it better? Is it worse? How's that play out? Well, I mean it it's it's different. You know, I mean you know in the NFL it's a sole focus on you know talent acquisition. You know, obviously you're doing a level of development. You ain't recruiting guys per se, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's different as it relates to that. Um, on the flip side, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. On the flip side, you know, it's one of those things where um, I, I look forward to recruiting. I like recruiting a lot, <laughs> you know. So, um, I'm, I'm excited to be back recruiting. Yeah, the day structure is different, but it's still relatively the same hours. You know, okay. just you have a recruiting meeting. You know, there it was more full-time football, <laughs> you know, so um, it, it was different in that respect. Talk to us a little bit about the associate head coach part of your job, because clearly you've been a position coach for, for many years now, but you came back to Indiana, and in part, I'm sure part of the draw was the idea that, that it can continue to progress your career. What, what has that part been like, and, and what has been the relationship building with Tom Allen? Well, I'm going to tell you, coming back in, it was it was very interesting because, you know, I kind of been off the scene and kind of just been, you know, um, just one of the soldiers, you know, of, of the staff, you know. So I wasn't like I was in any, like, leadership, right. associate head coach type, hey, man, just get the running backs together. That's it, you know. Um, but Coach Allen gave me an opportunity, and I always had that ability. I was a principal before. So just being in that leadership role, it, it took – probably a few weeks just to, okay, let me get a lay of the land. Let me get a lay of how college, you know, what's going on here. And, and, you know, you want to gain the respect of the other coaches on the staff too. So I was just put my head down. I'm, I'm not coming in and saying, well, because I had this title, you guys just, you know, just listen to what I'm saying. No, I just sat back and listened and learned. Got to feel for what was going on around me and then interjected when I needed to strategically. And I think I'm gaining the guy's respect outside of the fact that, yeah, he got a Super Bowl ring, whatever you know, but you got to come in and do some things, you know, here, you know, came in and showed them, Hey, I can listen. Hey, I'm going to get my, you know, get my guys playing on the high level. Hey, I'm going to, you know, be part of special teams and do whatever I need to do to show. Yeah. I'm a new guy on the staff, you know, at least to the new guys, <laughs> you know, um, but more importantly, yeah, I did something. I got Super Bowl ring, whatever, all that's, you know, that's superficial when it comes down to, Hey, is this a guy that we trust? And this is a guy who's going to help us win games at Indiana. You know, and I, I, I think I'm en route to doing that. 
Um, but I'm going to continue every day to just um, build rapport with the guys on the staff and gain their trust. And as far as with Coach Allen, doing the same thing with him. So I know you've been asked about this a thousand times. I know it's been out there, but there are people who are listening to our podcast or watching us right now who don't know your personal story. So I want to mm-hmm. take just a step back and, and start with this. Who is John Kenneth Briggs? That's me. So that, 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 was, that was that's the name I was given up when I was born. Yep. Okay. So you were born John <laughs> Kenneth Briggs. And then what were the circumstances that led to you becoming Dylan McCullough? Well, I was born in, you know, December, 1972, um, you know, and, and my biological mom obviously um, made the great decision, you know, to put me up for adoption. You know, she wasn't in a position to care, you know, to give me what I needed as a 16 year old, which obviously made sense to me, um, to everybody at that time. And, um, you know, I was adopted, you know, by a family in Youngstown, Ohio. And when I came to Youngstown, I get, you know, got the name Dylan Scott McCullough. So there you go. <laughs> and that was with the Comer family, correct? Yes. Adele yes. Comer. Well, McCullough's, you know, McCullough's, yep. So, right. So she was Adele McCullough at that time because, you know, my stepdad, I mean, my, my dad, not my stepdad, my, my dad, as I knew him at that time, um, adoptive dad was AC McCullough. Yes. So what I've read is that, that growing up as an adopted kid, that that was not the easiest thing in the world for you, that you ran into some hardship with people knowing you were adopted and giving you a hard time about that when mm-hmm. you were young. What was that like? Yeah, it was tough, you know, because initially when I found out, you know, it was, you know, it was exciting to talk about and but just the way it was received wasn't like what I, you know, I don't even know what to expect. I was young, you know, so and the way I way it was received wasn't good. So then I kind of just went into a shell about it, you know, and acted out in different ways, you know, just kind of showing my frustration. But um, apparently got over it. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, and when you were two years old, your adoptive parents got divorced. So mm-hmm. you were essentially raised by your mom. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder how through those difficult times, difficult circumstances, how you came to the game of football and what that provided to you in your life. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, you know, my older brother, we would always play rough and tumble. Like when I say that to these guys, guys like, oh, what is that? So when a bunch of guys, you throw the ball up, a guy get it and you try to go score. So you got, it could be rough and tumble with 30 guys out there and you're trying to break all these tackles and everything. So it was something that we in the neighborhood did. So that's when my first introduction to football is playing rough and tumble, you know, in our, in our yard. But it, you know, then, you know, I ended up playing for a team called the Steel Valley Chargers, you know, which was a Pop Warner team. And that was like my escape, you know, I mean, guys would go and play and just, you know, bonding with your teammates and out there just balling and having a good time. That, that was something that I really, I just really enjoyed, you know, that as an outlet for sure. You played rough and tumble. Ward and I played a similar game called soft and don't touch me. It was just, <laughs> we just stayed by ourselves and then played video games. That no, was no, no. I was a beast through middle school. All right. Just all when right. everybody else started growing and I didn't, that I was like, I now I'm soft. Please don't oh. touch me. 
So then football for you became more and more a, a big part of your life and you clearly showed an aptitude for it. When did you realize, oh, there's something here to my football game that can get me somewhere? I'm going to tell you what, it wasn't until probably my senior year. Because, really? yeah, really, I'm, I'm talking when, you know, everybody is, I hate to say it, Everybody was good in middle school around where I was at. Once you start getting in high school, it started funneling down. So in high school, I played ninth grade ball. I was okay. I did good. But then when I got, you know, my, my sophomore and junior year, you know, yeah, I played varsity. I played more defense than offense. We had a really good running back. Um, I was like the third team running back. Um, my senior year, going into my senior year, I remember writing letters. Back then, you wrote letters. We, I was writing letters to schools. Like, you know, um, Butler and UND and just, you know, schools of that, you know, schools of that size. Um, never heard anything back. I was filling out papers to go to the Navy. I remember I was like, I'm going to the Navy, you know. Mm. Um, so going into my senior year, um, my thing had always been, you know what, I may not be the biggest and strongest or fastest at that time, but I was looking for something to separate me from my competition. And it became just my work ethic. And, you know, I guess let my hometown tell it it became kind of legendary because at practice I would say I got to get the coach's attention somehow so whenever I got the ball I would run the full distance full speed to the, to the end zone every time hmm. every time and yeah I started getting their attention they're like well okay man what did you slow in practice up but and I just kept doing it kept doing it kept doing it kept doing it and for whatever reason it just unlocked talent like wow I just started doing that I would I would run every play like it was a live play and um, so going into my senior year, um, it was the second game. And, yeah, they were trying to work another guy. I was a sophomore. They were really trying to work in as the guy. Mm. And he had a fumble. And they put me back. I would start the game, but they would put this other guy in. So this guy went in. He fumbled. They put me back in. And I ran for 200 yards that game. It was over at that point. It was over. <laughs> it was over. Yeah. So th th there was there was a up-and-coming coach in town at Youngstown State named Jim Tressel, who was starting to try to get get you to come to his program. Program started showing interest, but there was a fateful day. I believe you were in third period class or something, and a coach came from Miami University. Uh -huh. uh, how did that interaction go, and, and how did that lead you um, to think that Oxford was the place for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, as, as that season concluded, there were some options that came up, not a ton of them, but I was pretty excited. You know, and then I was sitting in the English class, looked down, you know, you see the candy apple red and, you know, Mercedes with the gold rims on you looking down like, whoa, okay. And then you get called down to the office and there he was, you know, I mean, Coach Smith, you know, it was like, like I keep saying, it was like a movie. He turned around, it was like slow motion. He turned around, walked towards me and he said, hey, what's going on? Um, Sherman Smith, running back coach from Miami. And it was like, boom, connected. I was like, I'm going to Miami. Hmm. <laughs> That was it, really, in that moment, you knew? I knew. Once I started talking to him, because I'd never been around somebody of that, with that type of stature and magnitude. He's from Youngstown. He'd been in the NFL. He got a college degree. Good-looking guy, rocked up, nice car, <laughs> wife. I mean, all of, the, you know, all of the boxes that I'm like, man, I'd like to have that one day. I never, yeah. I've never seen that, you know, from somebody, you know, in person, you know, of somebody who had, you know, that checklist of accomplishments. And then, then you, then he's your coach. You're, you're playing for him. 
How did the relationship go when he was your coach? The relationship was great. You know, initially when I went to Miami, um, like a couple weeks before I went there, I, they moved me to flanker, which at least in my vernacular in high school, that was still a running back. I found out that is not what it was when I went there. It was a receiver. <laughs> so I go to Miami. I'm, I get moved to receiver. I'm actually about to play. We, I think we played Ball State the first game. And um, no, I forgot who we played that first game. It might have been Ball State. And um, I, we were having a scrimmage, uh, inter-squad scrimmage. It was our last scrimmage before the first game, the week before the first game. And I remember I actually, my, I started crying a little bit watching the, the practice. And I'm seeing these running backs running around. I'm like, I'm better than these guys, man. <laughs> I'm like, I'm better than these dudes, man. I'm better than these guys. So I remember going to Coach Smith and I said, you know, he wasn't even my position coach. I went, that was my guy. Or I went to Coach Smith. I said, look, I want to play running back. He said, what? You I mean, you're going to play, you're going to play at receiver. You're not registering. You're playing. I said, man, I want to play running back. I want to play running back. So that's how I got moved to running back. Um, he ultimately leaves though. Right. You know, he, he leaves after that season um, and he goes to the university of Illinois. So I had to deal with that, that transition. Yeah. How was that? Was that hard for you? I mean, he was a guy who you committed to basically in the moment and then he's uh -huh. gone. And I'm also curious how it plays into a little bit of look, your, your biological mom puts you up for adoption. You're adopted uh -huh. by parents, your adoptive father leaves, you know um, that you have to deal uh -huh. with that. And now this, larger than life figure enters your life. You commit to him immediately. And then a year or so later, he's gone. Uh -huh. Do you, are you putting those dots together uh, in your head when that's all happening? I mean, not like that, just because the other scenarios, rather the other men who had left my life, um, you know, they didn't go out. They, they didn't go out respectfully. I mean, coach, right. coach they went out with a bang, you know, coach, coach Smith, was respectful it wasn't like he just I'm like where are you at he just gone you know just disappeared or or any other things I mean he let us know what was going on and and the thing is you know you know coach Smith had always made the statement you may not be looking for a father but I'm gonna treat you like my sons I guess literally he know you know but um um and he did it you know and I continued to stay in contact with him even after he left I stayed in contact with him for 20 plus years after he left Miami so you'd found this mentor figure but now you're basically on your your own again and mm -hmm. how do you go from this flanker to the most prolific running back in the history of the conference what what was that progression like that evolution to to becoming the guy of all time in that league well i mean it was interesting so after coach smith left i remember coach hapner um he was the um he was the DB's coach and the defensive coordinator. He came over to me and said, look, uh, we want you to play defense. I said, well, you know, I want to do this offensive thing. He said, well, I'm telling you, if it don't work out on offense, you come to defense. I said, that's fine. If it don't work out. So um, we're going into spring football. So after my uh, true freshman year where I redshirted, we had two guys that were all lead at running back. <laughs> you know, so everybody's like, this guy going to be on defense, you know, soon. I mean, we got two all lead guys. And I just beat those guys. I mean, just beat everybody out that spring, you know. So um, it was like everything came together, all the hard work and just the way I, you know, dedicated myself to um, really standing out as a, as a person and as a player and just doing all the little things. It, it all showed up that first spring. And then it, 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 it was on then, you know. I mean, that first year I was freshman All-American, led the, you know, led the nation in rushing as a freshman. I think I was 10th in the 
I know I was tenth. I ain't gonna sit up and act like <laughs> don't, I, for, I, don't I was, be humble tenth, about it. You know, <laughs> I was tenth. Might have been ninth though. All right, but I know, <laughs> wasn't no worse than tenth. I was ninth or tenth in the country in Russian as a freshman, and then it made it just everything just con- continued to move forward. I, mean, I was, I, it was a great experience. And that experience led you to the ultimate for a football player, the mm-hmm. NFL. And you are a Cincinnati Bengal. Well, look, I mean, that's not great if you're in the NFL, but that's all right. You're in the NFL, but you're in. Talk to us about arriving in the NFL as a football player. Well, I mean, the thing is, with with the accomplishments I had in college, and then when I worked out, my workouts were all really good. I mean, really good. You know, four four one, four four two. You know, two twenty five, twenty eight times, thirty one times, twenty nine times. I mean, there was nothing that you could say, man, this guy's having terrible workouts. They all were good workouts, really good workouts. So I expected to be, I thought I would be drafted, but you know, I guess my life script, you know, and it wasn't going to be interrupted. There is no, you won't always be back at the bottom. Every level you go up, you're on the bottom and you got to rise up from there. So um, end up going to the Bengals. The crazy part, of, here's a, a, a crazy thing about the Bengals workout. The Bengals workout happened during my spring break. So I had to come back to Oxford to work out. I didn't even finish that workout. I remember pulling up with a hamstring in that workout. Mm-hmm. That was the one workout I didn't even finish it, you know. Um, so it was ironic that those guys were, I mean, they were gunning for me. And I'm like, man, I didn't even finish the workout with these guys. So anyway, you know, I, um, you know, I get picked up by the Bengals and I'm hot. You know, I go in there with a super chip on my shoulder and it showed every day I practice and through that preseason. I mean, I, you know, led the NFL in rushing up until I got hurt. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Three games through the NFL preseason as a rookie, and you're leading the league in rushing yards. And then seeing the footage of it, it just, I mean, looked so, (laughs) so painful. Oh, good. What was it like going from the highest of highs, being like, yes, I can make it here. I can make it here at a very high level Uh to, I don't know if I'm ever maybe really going to be able to play professionally again. How did you cope with that mentally more than anything well it, it was tough you know and I think you know it was one of those things where um you I felt a level of vindication you know like okay I showed I can get it done here but I still felt like it wasn't done I said man I want to come back and 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 you know continue to build on this but I knew physically I'm like man something wouldn't even you know I kind of hurried back probably shouldn't have played that second year. I really shouldn't have played that second year, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to come back. You know, I worked hard, but my knee never, it just never was the same. It was so much damage. It never was the same. So your career in the NFL comes to an end. You do make a stop with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but I'm going to skip past that because you're looking at a season ticket holder for the LA Extreme XFL football franchise. <laughs> So you are on the Chicago <laughs> Enforcers. What was the XFL experience like for you? Well, I'm gonna tell you this: it, it wasn't long um, because <laughs> I got hurt again. <laughs> right. Um, however, um, it was interesting. You know, I mean, it, you know, we, we practiced out of high school. I never forget we we had a practice out of high school, and um, we're in Florida, and we come off the field, and I swear it was like a wave of like you hear all these grumblings and it's getting louder and louder as we walked into the locker room one day after practice I said what's going on and they said while we were in practice some high school kids just robbed us blind all of us 
came, <laughs> came through the locker room and just stole all our stuff. So that was, <laughs> just took everything. This, all our jewelry, anything. I mean, we were out there for three hours, so they just had their time to go through it. We got we got completely robbed, blind up in there. But oh. that's one of that that sticks out to me more yeah. than anything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was interesting. But yeah, it was it was you know it was a great experience. I remember initially being called by Dick Buckus because he initially was the 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 coach for the Chicago team. Yeah, and then it was Ron Meyer. Hmm. You know, so um. So just, you know, being around those guys and just seeing what that experience was, I mean, it, it was fun, you know, while it lasted. And then when I got hurt, you know, I remember saying to Coach Meyer, I said, look, just send me home, man. It's, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm three ACLs in at that point. That was my third ACL. And I said, look, my point is made. I'm not going to the NFL at this point. I think it was more just ego and showing I can come back. And I did. So I was I was I was happy I walked away on my own terms and Started life. Did, well, did you wait? I got to ask one more XFL question. Of course, of course. Did you ever cross paths with Vince McMahon? Never. I didn't. I did not. I I worked for Vince at WWE. <laughs> and, uh, that's that's a different podcast that we'll we'll talk I, I, about. I, that. I, I bet. I uh, bet. That's where Eric will tell you some stories. <laughs> um, but you, as you said, you're hanging up the cleats. It's time to start your new life, whatever that is. Um, so maybe take us a, li a little bit through what you're doing in the in-between years. Most importantly, meeting your teammate for life, Darnell, in Columbus. How did that come to be? How did you know uh, it was going to be you and her for a long time to come? <laughs> yeah, so when I, so ironically, when I was playing in Canada, um, as soon as I got done the NFL, so I went, I went to the Bengals, then I went to the Eagles. I was on their practice team. I heard, that's where I got my second knee. Um, injury and um I said look it's time to start working you know it's already hey it's time to start working so I got a job in Columbus I always knew I wanted to work with youth so I was working like in a group home it's like a residential treatment center um for for young for for youth so um after my first year uh, my wife Darnell she had just graduated from college and she worked there too so going into my second season in so this was during the off seasons of Canada. So my first, I went to my first year in Canada, came back. I met Darnell at that job, um, you know, and there you go. Just, it just took off from there. Was you it, know, was it love at first sight? Season. Well, the, the beautiful part about it to me was it didn't start like that, which is good. You know, it started off as we were working together. We were friends. She made me laugh. I made her laugh. It was kind of organic. It wasn't like, you know, all of this sparks and stuff. I think the foundation was a lot different than what I had with other people, which I really respect. It was, it was, I think that's what has sustained us up to this point that it, it was, you know, everything was all good. We, we were friends first. We liked being around each other. And then it just, it took off from there. Do you remember a first date? Yeah, I do remember a first date. Well, what was it? So she, now she was coming after me pretty hard. I'm going to tell you that right <laughs> You know, everything that I'm saying, she was coming out to me hard, man. Really? So she told me she was going to cook me dinner. She said, I'm going to cook you dinner. I said, really? So we sitting there at work. She said, I'm going to make you all this. You saying greens and chicken. And I'm like, man, I'm like, hey, I'm with it. When are you going to do it? Let's go. So I'm on my way over to get her or whatever. And she said, uh, how about we just go out? So she kind of, she, she got me on that one. But we went out. So I do remember the first day because I kind of was, 
you know, joking with her about, man, I thought you was going to cook me all of this stuff. Yeah. So we went to Applebee's <laughs> and um, it was all good. Well, from there, it was over. Wait, it wait, wait, over. wait, though. When you went to Applebee's, who paid? Oh, I paid. Now, see, that's not right. She <laughs> invited paid. to cook <laughs> for you. <laughs> switch. Paid. Yeah, I paid. She I'll owes pay. you an Applebee's dinner. That's all I'm saying. Um, I hey, you. look, look. She carried four of his children. I four, think they're yes. even. First of all, the yes, first. You remind me of that often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I am. I, I want to ask you, Dylan. So your life is now taking a turn. You're getting back into, uh, you're, you're changing professions, basically. Your playing days mm -hmm. are over. You're getting into education. You're at Harmony Community School. Yep. Um, and you're working your way up through here. But at any point during this time, is the thought in your head about who is my biological mother and father? Is that what, where is that in your mind? It had been there. You know, I'd always, you know, thought about that. And um, it was literally, how about this? It literally was before I started, um, before I came to IU, that my adoptive mom called me. I mean, this might've been a couple weeks before I came to IU wow. um, to take the job. My biological, my adoptive mom called me and she had gave me some information. She started talking about the lawyer that did my adoption. And I said, okay, what are you getting? I mean, I'm adopted. I get it. But she had alluded to the fact that, you know, maybe we can see his files, you know, that, you know, that he had retired um, and, and maybe we can get his files and everything. So I started asking questions about my adoption. I said, oh, what's going to be in them? I mean, what are we talking about? And the things that she said, she said, well, I know you were at an orphanage. I never knew that. Here I'm like, wait, I never knew that. And then back then she said, you know, she said, the, and the, um, the nuns there called you baby John. So I used to laugh about that. I said, well, I mean, what did they call me that for? And she said, well, you know, they're nuns. She said, maybe they just gave you a name out of the Bible. So for, until I found out what my biological, you know, I found out that that was my actual name. That was like a running joke in my house. Wow. <laughs> you know, we, just, we just joked about that. Baby John, baby John, whatever. You know, like, where did that come from? Nobody even thought anything of it until I actually got the paperwork and said, well, I know why they called me that because that was my name. <laughs> now, it's pretty remarkable that your adoptive mom, your mom, mm -hmm. uh, it, she's obviously being supportive in you finding out your history. I think a lot of adoptive parents, that's a very sensitive topic, right? Because you, you don't know how that's going to go. But was she always supportive when you kind of expressed an interest in finding your biological mom? She was in, she was uh, supportive of that? Very supportive. I mean, you know, throughout the year, she had always probably every, I don't know, four or five years, she would bring it up. She said, hey, you know, whenever, just in conversation, she would say, if you, if you ever, you know, wanted to find out, I'm, I don't have a problem with you, with you doing that. I wouldn't, she said it wouldn't hurt her. You know, she, she said she would want me to have, you know, that closure. She want me to, to find out, you know, those, those answers. So we're running here kind of on parallel tracks as you're starting to have some possibility of finding out that side of your life. But, but meanwhile, you have gotten into coaching, you, you start working your way up through the ranks. Um, and of course, going back to your, your mentor, Coach Smith, how has he helped you kind of piece together these beginnings of your career that now you're going to Bloomington? How do we, how did you get to, to Bloomington? Well, I mean, so I was at, so, I, you know, once I got done, once we, we were in Columbus, when I met um, Darnell, after my second year in um, 
in Canada, she was pregnant with Dylan the second, D. So we moved to Cincinnati. While I was in Winnipeg, she was in, in Columbus. I said, you know what? You're getting deeper into this pregnancy. Go ahead and move back home. She's from Cincinnati. So that's how I ended up back in Cincinnati. Get, you know, ended up working out of school. And then here I am. I ended up at Miami University as a running back, you know, as an intern. And then I was a running back coach. Um, then I was a running back coach for one month. And then Kevin Wilson called me to come to Indiana. So I'm at Indiana. How that, so, how but, that call happened so quickly? Yeah. So, you know, I'd always stay in contact with Coach Wilson. So when I was a high school coach, actually, I was just a principal at that time. I was done being the coach because I was the administrator. I, I love how you Ooh. say that. I was just a principal. Like, it's <laughs> a big freaking deal, man. A principal of a school. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it was interesting. I liked it. I mean, I, I really did. I, I enjoyed doing those things and having that impact. But Coach Wilson, when he was at in, uh, not Indiana, at Oklahoma, he came through recruiting an offensive lineman we had at that school. And I'm just walking around with Coach. And I remember right before I was walking him out to his car, and he, he looked – he said, man, you know what? He said, you need to be coaching. Mm. He said, I mean, I'm just watching you interacting and, and going around with these guys. He said, man, you'd be, you'd be strong as a, as a college coach. So at that point, I'm not even thinking anything about college coaching. I said, no, nah, I'm good. So fast forward, I was like, wow. That might have been three or four years before Coach Wills called me about Indiana. Wow, okay. You know, so, you know, I'm at, you know, at Miami. I just got the running back job. But before I got the running back job, Coach Wilson had called me. I was an intern at Miami at that time. Coach Wilson had called and said, tell me specifically, what do you do there? And I told him, and he ended up, you know, he got the IU job maybe a few days after that call. Mm. And I never heard from him again. Never heard from him again. That was in December. I never heard from Coach Wilson again until in January. And he called and he said, I ain't want to make this call. but." And then he laid out, you know, what the op what the opportunity was here at IU. And through this process, are you maintaining uh, a relationship with Sherman as like a mentor? Do you check in with him yes. about like, I'm trying to get back into coaching? So I mean, he was on my resume forever. You know, <laughs> um, he was on my resume for Sherman Smith. You know, he was on my resume forever. So he knew, you know, kind of, especially once I got back into like legitimately. Okay, I'm trying to really get going in this college coaching thing. Uh, my strength coach at um, at Miami, all those guys are in contact, you know. So I'd always been in, in contact with Coach Smith throughout about everything that was going on. And then obviously as I got going into coaching, you know, we stayed in contact. And then as, you know, all of the you – know, we seen the E60, all that stuff. Once I got to IU, around two, three years into my time here at IU, I went to to Seattle for an internship. Right. You know, with Coach, with coach Smith. So that was – that was because fun. That was interesting. Ju just, just for people who didn't see that episode of E60, he was the running backs coach at that point for the Seahawks. He was a running back coach for the Seahawks. So they had a minority internship. Um, I went out there to Seattle and, um, you know, got back together with Coach Smith. So, I mean, it was, that was super cool because when I went in, you know, that was my first time seeing him since um, when I was in the NFL and the Oilers played as I seen him. When they came to Cincinnati, I, I spent some time with Coach Smith um, that game. So that was, I mean, you're talking about 1996 or something like that. <laughs> so um, so we out there doing our thing, you know, and, and when I get there, we talk some football. As soon as we get done, he walked me across to Dan Quinn, 
He walked me across the Durrell Bevel. He said, these guys are going to be head coaches soon. And he told them guys, he said, this is the guy you need to look at right here. This guy's, you know, unbelievable. You know, so it's almost like I had an interview with them guys, like right there on the spot before I even started doing anything at Seattle. And the ongoing jokes, you know, that a couple of days into it, that Pete Carroll, all them guys was like, look, it must be something in the water in Youngstown because, man, you two freaking guys, they were real animated, cussing and all kind of stuff. Like, you two freaking guys, man, look alike. You know, <laughs> y'all walk alike, y'all talk alike. They said, this is just crazy. And we didn't think anything about it. Sure. And just kind of laughed it off. I, I want to go back one little bit. When you got a little bit of money at, at your NFL deals, did you go buy a candy apple red Mercedes with gold rims? No, I never got that, but I got a whole bunch of other cars. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was your first big purchase when you got a little bit of money? What was the first big well, thing you bought? Yeah, I got it. I mean, I got an SUV. So, you know, I got the at that time the new body style Chevy Blazer. Yeah. And then uh and then I got a um, a BMW like a 318, a little coupe, yeah. you know, so um that kind of started the, you know, the the downward trend of buying a bunch of cars yeah there you go all right so let's get back now you're at indiana and things are going on especially on your side of the ball mm -hmm. i mean things are just taking off i mean tevin coleman redding jordan howard i mean you are just killing it at indiana but this was also your first time in bloomington mm -hmm. what did you just think about living in bloomington and indiana university as a campus did you fall in love immediately yeah i mean i'm telling you it reminded me a whole lot of miami you know, it was, you know, a lot of people who have knowledge of both campuses say this is like Oxford, Bloomington is like Oxford on steroids, you know, it's just <laughs> big, you know, um, but similarly situated as far as, you know, hometown feeling, you know, great people, great, just overall great atmosphere, you know, very embracing. So, I mean, me and my family, we, we really enjoyed it. We enjoyed it a lot. All right. Well, things are, I mean, taking off for you as far as your career is going. Uh, you're having kids, you're popping them out, they're playing Pop Warner, you're coaching them there. And then you had, uh, you decide to take a job at USC. Was mm -hmm. that a hard decision to leave Indiana and go to SC? And what was your thought process behind that? Yeah, it was hard. You know, I mean, because, you know, I did so many great things here and a foundation as far as how I like that room to operate. Coach Wilson gave me, he said, you're the, GM, you're the general manager of your room. So every guy, whether scholarship or walk one, I had control over all of those guys, you know? So, I mean, one thing I'm, as an aside, I was super probably as, as proud of as anything I did with the, with the guys that you all know was how many walk on running backs got scholarships during my time. It was like seven guys, wow. you know, they got walk on running backs that got scholarships. So that was something I was super proud of putting those guys in position um, to, you know, to get scholarships. But um, yeah, it was it was difficult, you know, as you went through that. And I just said, you know, man, you got to continue to um, advance your career. And I felt like what I did, at in, what I had done at Indiana up to that point was definitely recognized. And Coach uh, Wilson in the athletic department did reward me for that. I won't sit up here and say, yeah, I stayed stagnant. No, I mean, I got additional titles, I got additional money. Things were good, you know. Um, but the opportunity to go to USC, that was super enticing, you know, and and. And can I go and do the things I did here with the level of recruit that we had that was, that, you know, rivaled anybody 
could I go to USC and get some of those same, get those type of guys who may have on paper been more higher level recruits? Could I take my mentality and the things that I did to build, you know, the army of running backs here? Could I do that in LA? And I was up for that challenge. You certainly were. It goes well. I have to imagine the decision to take the next job didn't take you long to say yes to. How how did Kansas City come a calling and how did you end up as a coach in the NFL? So so how about this? So when I first got to SC, now I don't know anybody at SC. I don't know any of these guys. <laughs> you know, the, the the offensive coordinator said he was watching the Super Bowl. His favorite team was Atlanta Falcons. Seeing Tevin Coleman hmm. out there doing his thing is like, man, I wonder who this guy's coach was. And then, you know, kind of, man, this guy coached Tevin, George, Stephen Houston. I mean, the, putting the, so I go out there. I don't know any, any of these guys. So um, we have, we, there's a Nike, um, there's a Nike camp that's going on, like a, a clinic that's going on. At that clinic is Eric Bienemy. Mm. So I hadn't seen, I played with Eric Bienemy when I was in uh, Cincinnati. So we're in spring football. Eric Bienemy's there. I know he's there for the, for the camp. We talk. He's like, yeah, man, you're killing it. He's like, I'm telling you, there's a lot of conversations about you in the league. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, man, just keep doing what you're doing. It's gonna, you never know what's going to happen. So the season is going on. I'm in contact with Bienemy because Divine Redding is with the Chiefs. Yeah. So I'm, I'm having conversations, not about a job. Hey, man, how's my guy doing? You know, I'm just trying to keep up with Divine. So um, it's like a couple of days before the Cotton Bowl and EB calls me. He said, you ready? I said, ready for what? He said, <laughs> he said, hey, we, you know, he said, I'm getting the offensive coordinator job here. He said, man, I want to bring you up here for interview. The first guy I thought about, man, I want to get you because I know after this season, a bunch of guys are going to call you. Wow. So there you go. Well, <laughs> that clearly was a momentous thing to happen for your career, mm -hmm. but something really momentous happens for your personal life while you're at SC. Oh yeah. You get the information <laughs> through some research to find out who your biological mother is yep. and you do reach out to her. Yes, I do. Tell us about that <laughs> conversation. So when I first got to, I, I'm gonna go back like 30 seconds at IU. There was, I don't know what year it was. Might've been a couple of years before I went to SC. Um, there was, I don't know how I found out that in Ohio, um, the adoption records became unsealed. Ooh, so right. while I was here at IU, I'm really pushing, like I'm on the move, like, hey, I'm trying to find out. I remember sending my paperwork to Ohio and doing all of this. And I remember it was spring football and I got a call from whatever department it is and, you know, in Ohio to, about the my birth records and all of that. They called me and I stepped out of the running back room. I said, wait, I'm taking this call. I've been waiting <laughs> on this call. And um, the person told me you weren't born. She said, we we can't do anything because you weren't born in Ohio. I'm like, man. So um, I kind of start online looking on in Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania's um, adoption records were sealed. Fast forward to now, I just get to SC. Literally, I'm just getting to SC. Mm. Um, the movers are moving our stuff into, into our house. Beautiful day, obviously. It's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> and um, I said, you know what? I wonder what's going on with um, the adoptions in Pennsylvania. So I'm just on my phone and I see that literally, I think the day before I checked, you know, I just on my phone checking, maybe the day before, it wasn't more than a couple of days before that the, the records were unsealed in Pennsylvania. 
Now you can find out your information. So I called Pennsylvania on the spot. They told me, they said, yeah, that just happened. They said, you know, understand how these things work. It's not like, cause it happened, it passed yesterday. I mean, it's active today. She said, however, the paperwork is online and you can fill it all out. And she said, and when it becomes law and active, we'll already have your paperwork. So that was in March. Okay. I just got there. So fast forward to November, you know, I'm, I'm in the office and I don't know what hit me. I didn't think, I, I literally didn't think about it again. Here it is, it's, it's November and um, I'm in the office. I said, I'm wondering what's going on with this adoption paperwork. And I called the person who I've been communicating with in Pennsylvania, nobody answered. I said, ah, whatever. I didn't think about it anymore until I got home and the paperwork was there. Wow. <laughs> it was home. It was there that night. The night that I, the day I thought about it, that night when I went home, the paperwork was there. So you, you, you opened <laughs> it up and what'd you learn? So I opened it up. So, you know, the paperwork came, my wife and my oldest son, they're sitting on the couch right there. And I said, here's this adoption paperwork. My wife's like, I didn't even, she's the one who got the mail. She's like, I didn't even think anything about it. I said, yeah. I said, well, let's see what's up. So they sitting there and I open it and um, I said, well, I see why they called me John. And I said, because that was my, I said my whole name. I said, here's my mom. My mom's name is Carol Denise Briggs. So they, they're instantly on their phones start just, I don't know what their search was. They just type in. I'm like, I don't know what you guys doing. So I'm just kind of blown away, soaking the whole thing up. So that night uh, I'm sitting in the bed and I'm, I call myself doing some, private investigator work i said i'm gonna try to search this down carol denise briggs she's 16 years older than me you know i was in pennsylvania when i was born maybe she's from pennsylvania and here's with none of these outlets i mean i told them all this but nobody ever put this out because i found a person named carol denise briggs who fit all the criteria who was at that time 16 you know at that time was 16 years older than me who was in philadelphia huh and i sent her a it was a Facebook message. Everybody talked about the Facebook message. I sent her the message first because I thought, well, I was in Pennsylvania. Maybe, Carol, you know, my mom was from Pennsylvania. So I sent her, to, I sent this other person, yes. Carol Denise Briggs, the message first. Didn't get a response. Okay. <laughs> you know, I hope that that Carol Denise Briggs didn't start going to a therapist going, did I block out having a kid 16 years? <laughs> exactly. I mean, even to this moment, she never responded because, and she was active on Facebook because when I went on, I was like, wow, she, it was a bunch of posts. She had a bunch of action. I said, okay, maybe this is her. She didn't look like me, but it was so many other Briggs. It must've been her, you know, obviously people in her family. I, said, I, got, well, I just got to ask, you saw photos of her? I seen, yeah, I seen photos of her. Was she white? No. All right, so at least you had some inclination. <laughs> I had some inclination, but and, but it was so many other Briggs, and I said, okay, she don't specifically look like me. Right, she is black, but it was a bunch of. I said, okay, it's a spectrum here. I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I don't know, you know. So I sent that to her. I only gave her two hours to respond. That was the crazy part. I only gave like a couple hours. My wife was like, first of all, if that was her, give her time to respond. She give her, she got to soak up what's going on. So I was so impatient. Then I, I said, you know what? I'm going to search beyond just Pennsylvania. And I just did a Google search. I never did a Google search. I just did a Google search. And you're talking about within five minutes, I found, you know, who my real mom is. How did you know just from searching that that's who it was? Well, from the searching, I seen Carol D. Briggs. 
Got it. And um, and then I said, I wonder what this D stands for, you know. And then I kind of pecked around a little bit, and then I found it. I'm like, okay, this is her. And then I, I don't know why I kept referring back to Facebook. I don't know why that becomes that was like my point of yeah. reference. I go back to Facebook, and then I see her picture. And I look at my, I'm like, okay, we really getting close here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting close here, you know. And Are then, you um, nervous during this at all? Just emotional? I'm not nervous. Okay. I'm not, I, I wasn't nervous at all at that time. I was like, I saw good. I'm nervous what just I'm listening to the story. <laughs> you know, not, not knowing what I'm walking into. I was like, it's all good. So I sent her the message. And around a couple, of, maybe like an hour later, I get a ping on my phone saying she read the message. Now I'll get nervous. Yes. <laughs> now I'm getting nervous. Like, okay, she read the message. So I sent her back a question mark because the original message said, sorry to bother you this way, but did you have a, a did you have a baby in December 1972 in Allegheny County? So, you know, she, I get the message saying she read the message. So I send her a question mark back, like answer the question. She texts back. <laughs> yes. Now she texts back. Yes. I'm in a, I'm in a special teams meet. I get up and walk out to meet. I'm kind of emotional. Like, Oh shoot. She said, yes. So I text back. Yeah, I messaged back. I said, what was his name? And it was funny. She said, not dealing. <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> I laughed. And I said, okay. And that I is a back. perfect said, answer. Yeah. He said, it wasn't dealing. And so she texts back. And she, I said, no, I text her back. I said, what was his name? And she said, John. And she spelled it the same way it was on my birth certificate. Birth certificate J-O-N. Right. And then I was really emotional. I was like, oh, my goodness. I mean, I go. Like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm outside to meet people, you know, I think the secretary out there probably was like, this guy, all right. Cause I'm like, really kind of like, man, a little bit of waterworks. I'm welling up a little bit. So, um, I'm about to have a running back meeting. So I, I messaged her back. I said, look, I'm at work right now, but can I call you later? And she said, yeah. She said, what's going on? I said, I'll call you back later. You know, so that's, you know, I, I called her back later, obviously. And, and everything, everything took off from there. Well, tell us about that conversation. So after, you know, I sent her that message, the running backs come in and I'm can barely keep myself together. I mean, I think it was Ronald Jones. He said, Hey coach, what's going on? You kind of look. And that's broke down in total. And we didn't even have a football meeting that day. We just talked about that. The whole meeting guys, my guys, I mean, the relationship I have with my guy, they were fired up like, man, we can't wait. So the whole practice, they like, come on, we can't wait till the practice is over because we want coach to make this phone call, you know. <laughs> so uh, practice is over. Um, you know, I call her and um, just a great conversation. I say, evidently, I'm John, you know, and she is just like, I mean, just we having a great conversation. I ask her, you know, how does she end up in Pennsylvania? She, she tells me how, you know, back at that time, things was different. And she said, you know, her, um, as soon as her mom found out she was pregnant, you know, she sent her to Pittsburgh to a, like a home for, for unwed girls, yeah. you know, and, and, um, she just told me what went into her decision. I said, I'm not mad at the decision. I understand, you know? So I said, well, I got any brothers and sisters. She told me she was in Youngstown. I said, wow, I'm, I'm in Youngstown, you know, no Youngstown isn't big. So I asked her to have any brothers and sisters. She said, no, she never had any other kids. She never got married or anything. So then I said, well, shoot, who's my dad? And that's when she dropped that bomb on me. She said, you know, your dad is a man named Sherman Smith. And I was, shoot, you could have knocked me out right there. I mean. She said, she said, what? I said, oh, I know him. <laughs> she said, 
I, I know him. And I said, he recruited me and he was my coach my freshman. I said, he'd been my mentor for 20-something years. So just blown away. Blown yeah, I away. Mean, did you get lightheaded? I mean. Very. Yeah. Very. I mean, I was like big old smile, like just a big old smile on my face. I said, this is, um, I mean, you just have flashbacks when I was at Miami. Everybody, everyone said, man, you look like Coach Smith. Like that was just, a, that was a running joke. Oh, hey, what's going on, young Sherman? Hey, what's going on? I was just, I'm like, man, whatever. You know, then, you know, when I went to the, to the Seahawks, which was only a few years before that, at that point, we grown completely, I'm a complete grown man at that point, 40 something years old. And hearing these other guys saying the same things, you know, so, you know, just to have it come full circle, I mean, it was crazy. So I obviously wanted to call him. You know? <laughs> did you, did you realize at the time, like, this is so crazy. If they made a movie and this is how it ended, nobody would believe it. Like I'm literally, my life is something that most people just can't believe. I'm telling you, Ron, just, just jumping around real fast. When this story was presented to East, uh, to ESPN and Sarah Spain and John Minton called me when I got done telling them they were silent for around three or four seconds. And then Sarah Spain, you know, how her personality is. She just goes crazy this is unbelievable. This is all she's going crazy. They call me the next day and they said, the executives don't believe it. Can you give us something? They didn't believe it. Right. So you're talking about the ESPN executives did not believe it. And I had to provide them something to validate this story. So yes, it, it, even once it got to the point of being something that people were going to do something on, it still wasn't believed initially. So after you found out who your father was, your right. mentor, now you got to tell them. Can, can you tell us how that conversation went and how that was all processed on both sides? Well, you know, I called him and um, no, I texted him. I said, hey, coach, um, I need to talk to you. And I said, coach, you available or I want to ask you something. I forgot what it was. It was it wasn't something that made him think, wow, this guy about to tell me he's my son. <laughs> So I actually that just so I you actually, know, Dylan, there is no message that that exists. <laughs> that that message, there's no message that anybody reads and go, "Oh, this is the one where he tells me I'm his father." Exactly. 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 So he, um, I I expected him to text me back. Seriously, I thought he was gonna text me back, give me an opportunity to get my head together. He <laughs> called. I'm like, oh, yeah, he called. So my wife said, "Answer the phone," because uh, I, I wasn't really prepared for that conversation. I'm thinking he was going to say, yeah, when you want to talk to me? And we talked later on that day or something. So um, um, I call him. I mean, he calls me and we're on the phone and I say, hey, you know, you know, I'm adopted. And he's like, yeah. And I said, you know, I've been looking for my biological family. He said, yeah, what's, you know, and I said, I found my biological mom. He's like, man, he's fired up. He's like, man, you know, uh, man, that's great to hear, man. God is good. And he was excited. And I said, I told, I said her name. I said, yeah, her name was Carol Briggs. And it's easy for me to look back now. He got quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, he got quiet. And I said, yeah, I actually, I said this all just, it was all, it ran just like that. I said, you know, found who my biological mom is. Oh yeah. I said, her name was Carol Briggs. And I asked her, who was my biological, uh, asked her, who was my dad? And she said, you, it just rolled straight through that quick. So he didn't even have a lot of opportunities. Just hit him. Boom. Two bombs dropped right there. You know, and he was silent, you know, for a few seconds. And um, 
he started like mumbling. I could hear him, like I could barely make out what he was saying. Like, I, she never told me this. I didn't know, you know. And he said, "Yeah, I know Carol." He said, "I do, I do know Carol." <laughs> you know, you By the know, way, we and, should uh, make it. We should make it clear when Carol was 16 years old and and had the baby, she did not ever tell Sherman. Never. And he, in he fact, never knew. In fact, from what I read from the story. It's pretty incredible because she, part of why she didn't want to tell him was he was going off to school and college and she didn't want to like put that on him, which yep. it's, it's just remarkable. Cause you think about had she told him that who knows what happens with everybody. Exactly. You know, exactly. so anyway, I just want to make it clear that, that, that he did, she, he had no clue. Cause she, no, he, had, he, he had no idea ever. I mean, you know, it was, you know, uh, uh, you know, their relationship was what it was. Wasn't like they were, you know, boyfriend girlfriend. It was what teenagers right. did. You know, yeah. and um, he leaves and goes off to Miami. I'm born when he's at Miami. Right. You know, so he was a senior. She was a sophomore. You know, and and just the fact that she kept um, I'm sorry, the I fact that she sorry, go ahead. Okay, the fact that she that she was so discreet for forever. I mean, you're talking yes. 45 years, you know? And and even to hear that my mom's parents played cards with my dad's parents. I mean, after this, they were card, they played cards and stuff together and, and families were, you know, knew each other and different things like that. That she just kept that secret forever. Oh my God. Know? Forever, you know? So it was, it's, it's, it's just the whole thing is just unbelievable when you when you then, look at it. How it but ultimately out. Sherman, because he, um, so he didn't know he, a son existed, a child existed. So no he's not only understanding he had a son he didn't know existed. That son is you. Exactly. So he I mean, needed, he's he blown needed some away. Time. <laughs> he need, he's like, I need some time to process this. That's what's big thing. He said, I, I need to process this, man. He got off the phone <laughs> abruptly. I got. <laughs> I need to process this. He got off the phone quick. You know, after that point, and um, I sent him a text. I said, look, you know. I don't want anything. Everything is good. I said, we got a great relationship. We're good. You know, I said, I'm just, you know, passing on the information to you. I said, if you're my dad, great. We build on a relationship we have. I said, if you're not great, we still got a great relationship. Right. You know, and, you know, it went on, you know, he, you know, obviously we talked again later that day. Um, he wanted to talk to my mom. You know, he, he had a conversation with her. You know, and, and then he called me back. He said, I got it. He said, everything uh, I hear, everything time up, it makes sense. And he said, man, he said, you know, everybody is sure. He said, I just need to be ultimately sure. Sure. And I said, well, that's, that's cool. Let's get, you know, do a paternity test. So we did that. You know, it's funny. Right after I got off the phone, he said that. And we have we having a great conversation. We got off the phone. My uh, stepmom calls me. And, um, my, you know, my wife's, my, my dad's wife which they're on their way down here tomorrow, actually. Oh, nice. And um, she calls me and she is just fired up. She said, I know, she said, I overheard Sherman talking to you about a paternity test. She said, that we wasting money. She said, I looked at y'all, there's no doubt. There's no <laughs> doubt. We She said, this is a waste of time. She said, but we, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. She said, but we know what's going to happen. So the, the test come back, of course, 99.99999. Yeah. And, did it you, was on everything moved Did forward. anybody think about doing the paternity test on Maury Povich just to <laughs> up it up a notch? 
Never. But <laughs> <laughs> so then walk us through walk us through the first time you saw your biological mom and the first time you saw Sherman after finding all this out. Well, I mean, it was great. You know, um, I was obviously, can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay. So obviously I'm at USC. I was recruiting players all over the country. You know, luckily I'm recruiting somebody in Ohio. So um, yeah, I'm flying from LA to, so, you know, I, I come into Akron, I go and see my mom and I was just, I mean, I was, unbelievable you know getting a chance to go and sit down with her and it was funny because my uncle was there and she said she said yeah you my son I don't know you though she's like I'm so she had my uncle over there when I first got there she's like I don't know yeah I'm reading about you you seem solid you seem successful I don't I, I don't know you you know so I was there like five minutes and she told my uncle you can go ahead and leave now oh, she's like I'm see, I'm with everything is because she didn't. I mean, it's the truth. You don't know who I you know. She know me, but don't know me. You know, right. mm -hmm. so I was there. You know, it, it was a few minutes went by. She told my uncle Michael. She said, "You can go ahead and go. I'm, I'm good with my son. We good. <laughs> you know." So we, we made. She made dinner for. We just talked. We just talked forever. You know, that was on a Monday. So at the end of the week, I concluded the week in Tennessee, and I went. That's when I went to see my dad. And, um, you know, pulled up. He knew I was, obviously knew I was coming. And I remember sitting outside. I'm like, I haven't seen Coach Smith before. This ain't nothing new. I've been around Coach Smith many times. But I was nervous, you know. And I kind of parked on the street for a few minutes, kind of getting myself together. And I went on up, you know. And, man, it, he opened the door and, just, you know, was, he said, my son, you know. And I was very emotional because I'd never, you know, I'd, I'd never been referred to that way by a man, you know, let a, you know, you know, so it was that was strong. Me, let alone my actual father. I mean, you know, that was, you know, so um, it was, you know, it was it was emotional, you know, for sure. But it was it was great, you know, sitting down with him and, I, you know, I was up there for a couple. Well, that night I stayed with, you know, I spent the night at his at at his house. I went out to dinner that night with my sister and my dad, and my sister was texting my my was texting my wife in no, wait, between. I'm sorry. When you say your sister, I just want to get the the map right here. So when you say your sister, this is a Adele's another daughter of a no. This is Sherman's, Sherman's daughter. Daughter yes. with okay. your stepmom. So you <laughs> just like you immediately accept that like mom, dad, sister, like everybody is who they are. Everybody, yes, no problem, without a doubt, because I I met everybody before. Right. You know, right. so like my mom, my step, I call my mom, Sharon, you know, during recruiting. I mean, there's recruiting pictures with me with her, you know. So, I mean, I met her way back years ago. So we, we kind of knew each other, you know, um, when I went up to Miami one time. And how about this? Now, my, bro I, my brother went to Miami, Sherman. Oh. So he went to Miami during the time I was a principal. So I remember going down there. And but I never went. To, I was like, yeah, they go Coach Smith's son right there. I never went and met him. I never met him. Oh my! God. You know, I, I never met him. You know, so that was is all these interesting twists and turns. But yeah, so yeah, I'm accepting. I'm accepting of everybody. Everything was everything was all good. So let's and how about? Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was please. I was just gonna ask about then the first time and and we I don't know if that was the actual first time that they showed in the E60 episode, but when the whole family gets together what what did that feel like for you to have 
everybody in the same place and all this love and understanding for the first time. And it was unbelievable, you know, because on my dad's side of the family, they always had a, a family reunion every two years, which okay. obviously I didn't know. So, so when all this unfolded, I think they had just had one the year before. And they said, no, we haven't one again. You know, <laughs> we're having another one. You know, we're we going to have one. We're going to have it right now. This next, you know, this, that following year. So that following summer. So, um, you know, my, my adoptive family, they're all from Youngstown. Perfect. My biological mom, she's from Youngstown. And then obviously my dad from, I mean, so you're talking about a, the blockbuster family reunion of all family reunions, you know, with ESPN there filming it all. So, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And your kids there. Hmm? And was it immediately comfortable for everybody, including like your wife, your adoptive family? Is everybody comfortable immediately? Oh, everybody was good. So in between that time, like my mom, my biological mom, I came to the Cotton Bowl, right. you know, so it wasn't the first first time that they met my, you know, my, you know, uh, my dad, my mom, Sharon, they, man, they was down here quick, you know. You know, my, my, my mom, Sharon, she was already, when we was in California, she was putting together like, oh, we, I got four four other grandsons. Oh, we going to see them. I got we going to see them. You know, so every everybody was excited. I mean, what an incredible woman she is. You have amazing people around you. That but so what do you call Sherman? I call dad. You do. You call Sherman dad. At 45 years old, you found your dad and you call him dad. I I do look, we've taken up more of time than I know that you had, but I do want to ask this. Look. You're an amazing dad, okay? And we, you, you told us earlier how important it was just to be there for your youngest son, to watch him on his bike. I, I just can't, it just doesn't even compute for me. You went your whole life without a dad. And you were able to be the dad you always wanted to be or the one that you wanted to have for your kids. And then at 45, you get your dad. The, I mean, I want to cry about it. I just want to cry about it. Do you pinch yourself still about this story? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's truly amazing. I mean, when you, when you look at it, just even the chapters that continue, you know, I know um, Sarah Spain reached out to me a couple of days ago. She said, you know, with just things going on in the world, let me say it like that. <laughs> she was like, oh, this book just keep getting longer. keep adding chapters to it but yes i mean up to up to that point i was like man you you can't tell me anything i'm i'm extremely blessed well the blessings uh obviously have been passed on to your four children i also just want a shout out to your wife because i would imagine your wife being the crutch for you emotionally throughout this entire journey that has lasted years literally Uh years and years and, and she's, I loved her message that she put on social media in response to some, let's, mm-hmm. just, call, let's just call them, uh, what's the word? Oh, assholes that uh, didn't like uh, what your sons decided to come be. I know we're back to the winking thing where your sons decided to play at Indiana and your wife was so strong and standing up, mama bear defending her sons. I absolutely loved it. So I want to give her a huge shout out. But I mean, Dylan. Look, we want. We were so happy that you were coming back to Indiana before we had a full understanding of all of this. And we've gotten to know Matt Weaver a little bit because he's part of the Peegs family. 
And he kind guy. of behind the scenes was telling us a while, like, just keep an eye on Dylan, and you guys are gonna love him. Like he is the man, just such a oh. good human being. I mean, you can't ever leave Indiana. I'm sorry. I know you want to be a head coach, but you gotta wait for you gotta wait for Leo to retire and go to Leo version two because we just love you and your story and your family and your energy. And my God, I just uh, am blown away by it all, Ward. First of all, there was a couple moments there. Eric was speechless, and that has never happened before. So, so coach, you you should know the kind of impact you're having at least right here. And you know, obviously, we were born and raised Indiana Hoosier fans, going back to Anthony Thompson and Bill Mallory, um, and now even sitting across a parking lot, uh, Coach Woodson coming back from the professional ranks. Uh, to connect with these young men and to not only raise the basketball program up to the heights of the football program. Yep. <laughs> that's where we're at right now, but that both with coach Woodson and with coach Allen, and now with you, sir, we are so proud of the, the, the men that these young men have to look up to as role models, because we know the vast majority will not go on to have professional careers in basketball or football. And the pride we have as Hoosiers to know that these young men are being shaped by the likes of you, and then will go out into the world being better men for that. I can't tell you how much pride that fills us with. Well, I'm honored, you know, to have that opportunity in front of the guys, you know, and 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 to attempt to do the best I can to, to mold these guys and, and take them somewhere they couldn't take themselves. So and I'll let them see my warts. I think that's one of the, the, the beautiful things about being in this role, too. And while I've been so effective, I never stand in front of these guys as like a picture of perfection. They laugh at it like, man, coach, you're a real guy. I'm like, hey, man. I asked him somebody, hey, what's that play again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And sometimes I do it just for theatrics, but other times I'm like, hey, shoot, I just got here. What's that again? So the guys, they they like, hey, coach, man, you you doubt you're a, a, just a regular guy, you know, and, and you ain't afraid to open yourself up to us and talk to us about things. Ain't got nothing to do with football. Talk to us about your sons, talk to us about just relationships and and things you did outside of football and giving us guidance. I just want to be somebody that these guys, they feel like I don't want to be on a different level. And I want them to feel like, hey, yeah, Coach did some things that, that, that he's proud of and we're proud that he's here about, but he's a, a regular guy. He don't use that and have a different air to himself. He's just here to help us. And that's, that's what I'm here for. All right, real quick. You're piling all four kids. And although I don't know if you can fit all four kids in that little Tesla SUV you got rocking. I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, I know you like the electric thing going on here, but you got all four kids in the car. Where are you going to dinner in Bloomington? What's your favorite restaurant so far or from your time before? Louis. Yes. Good answer. Good answer. By the way, with four kids, you can't take them to little Zagreb's. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. <laughs> Buffaloes. Buffaloes. And you got to get a whole, I mean, Whenever I ask the sign, those guys say, like, what, what do you guys want? They say, oh, we want the wings, and you got to get like 100 of them. These guys rolling through them. I mean, the sign is on a 10,000-calorie thing right now, man. It's crazy. These guys, they're getting after it. Wow. But, but, I mean, look, I wish I could act uh, impressed by it. I've been on a 10,000-calorie diet since college. <laughs> <laughs> when we go back to Bloomington, it's 20,000 calories. Yeah, for sure. Oh, shit. 
All right, Dylan, we love meeting you. I won't go down the road again because I will cry. Love your story, love your family. And just like Ward said, he said it perfectly. We are so proud that you're in Bloomington and you're our guy. Uh, can't wait to meet you in person when we come out for a game. Definitely. I appreciate everything. All right, you be good. You should have enough juice in that car now to get yeah, you on the, to the Oh, hook. yeah. <laughs> All right, you be good, man. That was a guest. That was a guest. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what do you say after um, what do you say after meeting one of the more impressive like um, you're speechless again. I am, man. I just love the guy. I I, yeah. man, I know that happens with us a lot, Ward. I do know. I'm not sure. naive to that. We're in the afterglow of a fun conversation. But that dude is going to be a very successful head coach of whatever program he wants to be the head coach of one day because he's just special, right? What, what, what makes it extra remarkable is this incredible story of a man's life and family coming full circle with a, an extraordinary man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like that, that those two things happen to the same person that either one independently like this, this is a story worth telling. This is a man worth talking to and that they come in the form of one human being. And it even took him 45 minutes, 45 years, took us longer than 45 minutes to get all the way through it. That it's, it's, a, it's not a one in a million human being and life story. It's, it's a one in a billion. It's a one of one. Yeah. Right. Like that's it. It's just it's just him. And the deck was stacked against him. Like that's that's the look. I, you and I were lucky. Like we're, we, we got lucky with the families we were born into. You know, like there were so many things that were just you, you're you're lucky. Like you can't control how you're born. He was born into a situation unfortunate that you know, that, that his biological mom at the time was just not equipped. She made the best possible decision that she could at that moment in her life. It turned out to be the best possible decision, not just for her and not just for Dylan, but we are now talking about generations of people who are set up for success and happiness and fulfillment and meaning because of that one decision. And all the people that surround this story, Sherman, Carol, Adele, Sherman's wife, Sharon, Darn did I say Darnell already? Probably more than once. <laughs> they are all just such amazing people that you put it so great when you said all this love that was surrounding this family, you can just see it in his face. There is just love around this guy and the deck was stacked against him and yet good people formed this story and that's what's great there's there, there is no bitterness because every decision made every twist and turn was done with the best intentions and that if there's such a thing as destiny and fate hearing this story has got to make you believe in that because it's it's truly something where there's just besides Sherman just needing to let the shock of it wash over him for a few hours 
everything was really so noble about intentions and reactions in in every twist and turn and it just makes you appreciate all these people who were already so remarkable that when it all came together they just proved it yet again and if if you're a kid and and you're you're thinking about going to IU and you you meet with with somebody like coach D and you're like whoa whoa like i want to model myself after the way this man has conducted his life and gone about everything both career and personal it just what a role model i mean look for all of us to to have just that sort of uh pride and humility and work ethic and oh yeah what a loving uh, human being who did a remarkable job raising these sons without ever knowing his father but but now it's almost like he gets this reward of of living such a a good life a righteous life that now it's like yes and now now you get to have yours too and in a way obviously he did from the time he was like 16 or 17 he just didn't know it right and i want to say too for sherman like getting that information i do think and i think i read this too part of his hesitation was he had a family Mm-hmm. Like right. he had a wife that he had been with since college, since basically that encounter happened. He goes off to college immediately after that, meets his wife that he's with for 42 years. They have kids. So I'm so part of his hesitation was, how is this going to impact my family? Like, how is this going to, how is my wife going to take this? And the fact that his wife is on the phone with him, with, with, uh, Deland, like within hours, like we don't need a test. We got this. I want to meet my grandkids. It's phenomenal. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about my freshman year. <laughs> yeah. Before I met Annie. And if I got a phone call, like right now, right, it wouldn't go nearly as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you found out, well, well, let me take that back though. If you found out that your son was cody zeller then maybe it would be a little different that's true there's so many reasons it would never be cody zeller but yeah no it's true it's true and we think about that we do have friends our age with like kids in college um but we're old we're old enough to have people out of college what are you talking about like we are old yes no, no, I realize that's biologically possible. I'm saying I don't No, no, it's know. not just biologically possible, Ward. It is uh physically possible. That's the same thing. No, I'm not saying theoretically. I'm saying that actually may be true for you. Let's see. 97. No, no, I I wouldn't have any kids out of college. 23 years old. No, but but 24. What are you talking about? You're tracing back your first experience. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess it probably would have been like this spring. Maybe. Maybe there. As hey, look. As long as the kid graduated from IU, I'd be good with. You're good. Uh, All right. Listen. (laughs) We got on a tangent here, but I want to go back to something that that there's so much to unpack there, and and um, we'll do that for the next several weeks. I'm sure you and I in our separate conversations. You know what? One thing that I just absolutely loved was when he said that the thing that was he was most proud of from his time as a coach was the walk-on kids that earned scholarships. Yeah. Like, we are talking NFL successful Pro Bowl running backs that he tutored in, like Jordan Howard, for example. And what he points out 
is walk-ons that busted their ass under his tutelage and guidance and direction and mentorship and earned a scholarship at Indiana. That's a good human being. And that, you're right, it just fills us with pride to know that's what LEO is. That's what Tom Allen is building and has built there in Indiana. And I, I just loved that kernel from him. Yeah, and, and merely the decision to leave the Kansas City Chiefs to come back to Bloomington, to be a part of the IU family again, tells you all you need to know about the man's priorities. And he told us as much, it's really about helping these young men fulfill their potential, most often not on the football field. And what- Music playing? Music playing? No, no, do you- not not from oh, my end is there's there a buzzsaw going there's on? a buzzsaw going yeah i've been having to click mute this whole Sorry. time because there's construction going on I in my backyard buzzsaw. um but but the point being is that that tells you what the guy's all about and how lucky we are to have him in bloomington i want to bring up something that um i've noticed for a few weeks and i've been meaning to bring it up to you and i haven't it is an indication of how absolutely janky our operation is. Do you notice the little white dot in our background? I thought that was just something on my screen, no. but I see it's on both. Yes. This is my failed attempt at creating our graphic. I left some white spot on the actual graphic. I mean, now I can't see anything else. It's the only thing visible in our background. How did I do? I mean, we are so janky. Why are these people talking to us? Uh, you know, don't, don't. As I hear it. the buzz on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you know, I, I guess it's because they know we care too. We really care, and the listeners care. Hoosier Nation cares, and we've been very lucky that we've we've been the conduit for all these wonderful people to tell their story to the the IU faithful who are just so happy to hear it and to get to know who we're rooting for. Tom Allen, I think, is in his 50s, right? Early 50s. He's not that much older than Beeland. Damn it. I know. I'm trying I know. to figure out a way where he can be the head coach for 10 years, win us a couple national championships and some Big Ten titles. We're the best team in the country. And then just hand it over to Dillon. It could it could easily be a situation where he does just that. In the meantime, dillon has got to go off and have, say, the second best program in the country behind IU Fair and enough. then comes back home once Coach Allen decides to hang it up. But look, whatever the future holds, the present it's wonderful Ooh, that was good ward did you like that that was a very professional transition from taking something that i said and and bringing us back to where we need to be and almost wrapping it up that was very good oops <laughs> <laughs> hey, a broken clock is right twice a day that's right all right well this was super fun um let's do it again next week Let's do it. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But the sometimes why. One final thought. Screw the NCAA. Their compliance bullshit made it so that we had to dance around all that stuff with his sons. The fact that a father cannot talk about his sons who are committing to Indiana because it hasn't 
been officially signed is just all you need to know about how ragtag bullshit the NCAA is as an organization, period. I will say we would have ended up talking about just that, his son's relationship, all the stuff, how they're going to fit in at IU. That would have been like half of the conversation, which would have been a blast and would have been a good time. But really what that means is now we have an excuse to have him on again when everything's official and we'll get to just go hog wild with that. Also, the first this was a first for the hysterics. The Not the first time that somebody told us, I'm sorry, I have to plug in and charge. The first time they were referring to their car. <laughs> Every other time has been the phone so they That's could talk right. to us. He was talking about plugging in his car. That's what yeah. he was doing during this conversation. Look, we're mobile. We'll talk to you whenever. If you'll talk to us, we'll talk to you whenever. We if, don't care. If you're Brian Evans coming back from a hot yoga class and that's when you can squeeze us into the schedule, we'll do it. If you're Dan Dockich and you're taking a leak six times throughout the, the podcast, we'll do it. If you're Mike Davis taking 37 turns while driving to work and you used your signal every time and we hear the blinker, that's okay. If you're Brian Snow and you're in some circle of hell, we'll still talk to you. <laughs> Not anymore. He's a Nittany Lion. Screw him. All right. This has been fun. We'll see you next week. Who's your man to lead us? Who's not a total dud? Who's your brother bleeding? Crimson blue blood. Who's your man demanding what you want and more? Who's you gotta get us back to the final four? We got to vote for Eric. Man for you and me. We all trust in Eric. Your trustee, if you want to see the candy stripe back in the promised land, you best just vote for Eric because no, 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 no. As who's your man? One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.